Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and Merry Christmas Eve Eve. That's right, the most wonderful time of the year is here for us all. As Mike has a captive audience for streaming, I get to relax in the countryside for a few weeks, and Phil gets to enjoy his beloved freezing cold weather. And you, dear viewer, get to enjoy a festive special episode of That Time I Started a Podcast to read trash manga with my friends, and actually most of them are trash, but some of them weren't, aka the Trash Manga Friends Podcast Burst Quad Drive, episode 43, the hero laughs while walking the path of trash manga a second time. Normally, this is the show where three people discuss two volumes of one trash manga, but not for this Christmas special. Instead, it's three people discussing three short trash manga series. Stocking stuffers, if you will. We'll dissect what's good, good, good. What's bad, bad, bad. What's trash, trash, trash. And then weigh in on our favourites. I am your forever host, Good King Wenceslas, Sean. Joined by Saint Mick and Filler Frost. How are you both? I uh, object to you calling me a saint in general. Uh, and also cold, very cold and uh, moist. I was going to say, this oh. is the. Like, we're recording this on arguably the first day of winter based on how the weather's been. Fucking hell, yeah. I mean, there was technically snow at some point. I was going to say, it was hailing and snowing earlier. It was, it was snowing last night for about five minutes. Oh, wow, okay. If there's any conspicuous edits where it sounds like we started recording one day and then stopped, and then on a completely different day we started up again, it's probably because that did happen, because there is, we are mid-storm at the moment. Yeah, this could be a fun episode full of background noises like a storm, my computer blowing up, one of us coughing to death, one of our cats coughing to death. Fucking hell, my cats are going insane right now. <laughs> it's all the static electricity, right? They're building up. <laughs> I, would, I mean... You're joking about that, but I literally, I don't know if you can hear my cats right now, just like trouncing about around the background. But like, I was going to pet one of my cats and I got a legit static shock off of them. <laughs> it wasn't even the long haired one. It was the short haired one. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> Are you a Pokemon? <laughs> can I do battle with you? Or are you just going to shit on the floor and make me clean it up? I mean, that could be its signature move. <laughs> signature move. Use floor shat. It's oh god. I've played I've played Digimon Adventure. That's a Digimon signature move to just take a <laughs> shit on the floor. Yeah. So Digimon's kind of like the more modern, I guess. Even though Digimon's not really modern anymore, Tamagotchi type thing, wasn't it? E kind of yes. It yeah. it was originally a Tamagotchi thing. Yeah. Yeah. That then went, man. That Pokemon thing's done well. Let's just hitch your, hitch your bandwagon onto that. Yeah, let's digivolve to a different show. And then it's, yeah, became the show which we all know and watched. Love, love Mike. We, we I know, know you hate it. it. You hate it, but I love it, so. Everyone watched it. Not... Are you telling me you didn't like Elvis Monkey Mike? That was fucking ridiculous and you know it. <laughs> it That's was. the reason That's you love it. That's why it's so great. <laughs> it could be ridiculous and amazing. And then he... <laughs> Turn into a flying ball of wires for some reason. <sighs> I'm sure it made perfect sense at the time. <laughs> There's another episode where you need to evolve. I don't want to. I'm a skeleton now. <laughs> that yeah. breeds fire. Firstly, Digivolve. It's very different, Mike. <laughs> of course, my mistake. Yep. God. And yeah, it was forced, forced Digivolution, so it went haywire. There's one episode. This is not about Digimon this week, but I'm, I need to. I wish. <laughs> I wish it was. I need to say this. There's an episode where, when they first break out into the real world, which is stupid in many ways, but 
Sure, let's just let's just agree for this moment that they can do Stupid. that. <laughs> so Sorry, dumb. not the point. Go on. Yeah, let's just agree for the moment this can happen. They are doing a fight where they are losing, and then all of a sudden, this old man that sometimes guides them randomly appears on one of their wristwatches saying, Oh, by the way, if you shoot each other, something amazing will happen. And like, okay, let's try that. They shot each other and like, oh, wait, it worked. They turned into some magical, mystical, powerful creature. Like, what? I do not remember this. I, I assure you. I'm putting you, this I'm down to my like, shoddy explanation. I but... am butchering So he's on about the episode. It's not when they've just come back. He's on about the episode when they unlock um, Mega Digivolution. So Anja Man and Anja Woman have to shoot Ty and Matt in the heart. Ah, right. And your woman. I'm with you, yeah. Fucking shoot me in the heart, and now I'm more powerful. Ancient prophecy, wibbly wobbly. Which we just (laughs) mentioned. (laughs) Literally in this moment. And then we just did it. Like, oh, okay, cool. I don't think it was mentioned in that, but yeah, there was like no setup on it. It was literally just, by the way, here's a way to make yourself more powerful. Done. Uh, (laughs) Yep, we all know and watched it. Yeah, and only those two can have megas. Like no one else. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, but then they have to like design shit, and that's their foot. I, if you've said some of because the, they're in the games, if you send the mega versions of all of the original Digimon, some of them some look of them cool are as hell. Great. Yeah, yeah. I'll take your word for it. I never played any of the Digimon games. Pretty Not surprising. Sure. Half of them didn't get localized. Fair. You had the original ones on PS One, and then skip a few years, and then like the Digimon Story games, like a few years back. Anyway, this is not the Trash Digimon podcast, as not much yet. as I would love it to be. Maybe in, a, maybe in 2022. But for now, for our finale for this year, our Christmas Eve Eve special, as I mentioned, we decided to discuss three short series. So the criteria we were picking these was simple. It just had to be one volume or less, because we rarely get a chance on this show to cover like short series like that. So seemed like a nice thing to do for the Christmas period. Give you some stocking stuffers, as we've uh, so eloquently called it. So we each picked one, and we're going to analyse them now. So, eeny, meeny, miny, Mike, <laughs> we're going to throw to you first. Mike, you chose Ash of Purgatory. Uh, also known as Rengoku no Ash. Yes. Oh, man, look at it. He's learnt Japanese, kids. That's a, <laughs> there's a Christmas treat for you. Yeah, I, I know that Rengoku no Ash means Ash of Purgatory now. Huh, joke's on you. <laughs> I, I don't... Yeah, I'm assuming it does. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was going somewhere. <laughs> no, I just, it's just, you know, it, it's one of those things. You can assume that, but one of these days you're going to play yourself. <laughs> sure. Like, I assume this means that. No, it actually means you're Talk a yourself. criminal. <laughs> okay. Fine, he's not wearing it on a t-shirt. It's probably right. <laughs> oh dear. It is, this is an action-slash-psychological fantasy one-shot that came out in June 2014. And it is written and drawn by Tatsuya Endo. And if that name rings a bell, it's because they went on to make the super popular, currently number one Jump Plus series, not Jump Square, Jump Plus series, by X Family. So, Mike, tell us a little bit about Ash's Purgatory. What's it all about? Well, simply put, in your witch trial era world, uh, sort of a uh, not quite medieval, uh, Middle Ages, I guess you call it? No idea. But like in that sort of era where there's the panic around everyone is a witch and 
all of that nonsense. They, uh, the church is the law in the land, and uh, they do like themselves hunting some witches. Uh, however, if you know anything about your history, you'll know that the majority of the witches that were executed, trialed and executed, were either people that somebody wanted out of the way, or women that got a bit uppity, or they were just kids who took some shrooms or something to that effect. So most, most of the people who they put on trial and executed were obviously not witches. Hold the phone here, Mike. Are you implying some of the people executed were actually witches? Well, here's the thing. This story takes place where suddenly one day, oh shit, they got it right. <laughs> and uh, they didn't take right. too kindly to it. So that's where this begins. And then after that, it spins out into a, weirdly, into like a romance tale between this main character of a sword-slinging monk that had visited the town right before this happened and the relationship between the witch in question, Ash, of course, ironically, and I don't remember the name of the monk, but yeah, the, the dude that shows up. Uh, Bell. Bell, right, yes. And yeah, and talks about that because, uh, spoiler alert, it doesn't go, the execution bit doesn't go according to plan. So yeah, that's pretty much the, the whole thing in a nutshell. It is a one shot and it is, so it's a one and done. It's a, it's a little bit like on your longer side of things for one shot i think but i think it's really. on the shorter side yeah oh, really it's, sure. only, it's only like 50 or so pages that's relatively oh there you go i honestly thought that was no that that would probably be about your absolute minimum for a one shot yeah but... there you go it is a one done so it is no intention of going further than this uh it's a self-contained story i i mean you say no intention this like compared to say we'll get to it later the one i did which is a one and done this seems like it's very much like we're trying to get a serialization. I was about to say, that this I could very much see like this is the one shot before serialization. This is the yeah. proof of concept, as it were. Sure, sure. Because, I mean, we've it's never come up on the show, but a lot of manga will essentially, you'll have like a one shot, which is about 50. For example, Bleach, does, has a, there's an original Bleach one shot. Kami, for a series we've covered, that had a one shot. Yeah, and then was popular, so got picked up and adapted into a series. And usually the first chapter or two will then be reiterating the one-shot, but in the serialized format. But yeah, that's there are two types of one-shot. One which is very much self-contained, and then one's trying to set up for a serialization, which is what this one is. Okay, well, in that case, I will rephrase <laughs> that the story does end with this. I'm not saying it wasn't trying for a series, but it does have an ending. But yes, there, there is an ending, but the th point is more... You could easily write more. The, the ending the is, and so begins our journey, essentially. Yeah. So what did you guys think of this one? I'll let you go first, Phil, because you had, I know you were talked to me about this earlier. So. It was fine. It, it wasn't anything new in terms of story. I didn't think it, it is your witch trial story your bog standard sort of witch trial Just oh say my god Salem. you can say yes. Salem. <laughs> yeah the the town was called broken brook with two k's in broken yes point is you know oh look it's the height of the witch trials we're going to burn this here witch oh my god she's actually a witch for a change oh my god and oh protagonist has fallen in love with her oh what a shame and he's i will say to be fair because i know you yeah. said at the time this is well covered 
not so much in manga i feel like i know a lot of stories no okay i'm I'm not necessarily specific saying in manga it's yeah being done a million times but i feel in general in media we have a lot of these sorts of stories yeah it's a it's a popular choice i feel it's weirdly like the uh, castlevania anime in reverse (laughs) it's the person is a witch and then gets burned for being a witch but then which is historically inaccurate and then things go wrong after that in spite of them actually being a witch even though they were bad example but yeah So that actually, I think, is one of the like the coolest things. And like the first time I'm reading it, caught me completely off guard. So they they burn her essentially, uh-huh. and you see her essentially. Well, you don't see her die, but her cage falls into the fire, and it's heavily and it's, light. It's cut to a week later or whatever. Yeah, it is. Sma- smash mm-hmm. cut to a week later, and Bell has lost all Bell's, the will Bell's to live. Bell's gone insane. He's been yeah. banished from the sacred knights he's part of. Well, I think the, it tries to play out that this thing goes on for several years, like on a scale of years. Yes, I, I think the point is like it starts off like a week later and then it's him moving around doing things and then... But basically, this goes on. You see him essentially, yeah, having desperate, almost desperately like looking for any evidence that no, she couldn't possibly have died. No, that's... Like he's essentially lost the will to live, and he's just hanging on to any scraps. Trying, trying to stop the same thing happening again, because he goes to like a different town where he sees the priest from that first town, where who condemned Ash to be burned. Mm-hmm. He's like, no, I want to, I want to, mur- I want to murder this motherfucker, and it's like, no, you can't, because Pope's got to declare what's happening to him. And basically, the, the whole reason the church is executing people is because the church gets all of their stuff after the fact yeah like it's a completely corrupt society yeah is it the the church is basically going oh that person's got a load of money i want that money they must be a witch clearly therefore i shall take all their money and well that's the uh, impetus for like our our witch lead character ash getting burned because essentially he's like man we're burning people but i'm just not making enough money <laughs> so let's be more rigid and burn more people. <laughs> You're yeah. from a clinic. We'll burn you, even though it's not your clinic, and then we'll just seize it and take all the money. Why not? Well, because they also execute her adoptive father. Implied. I don't think we ever see that, but yeah, implied. Like, like the the guy that owns the clinic and she lives with her boss slash adoptive father, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I think in part this story is meant to be a, a tale of the responsibility of power and the effect of utter ca- callousness with that power. I think that's the idea. Uh, I feel you're being very generous. I, yes, I feel you're being generous there. Like, yes, sure. you, you can draw that, that line of thinking, but uh, uh, no. Don't burn people, no. you'll get your comeuppance. There you go. <gasps> Life lesson. That's the thing. Until this character, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. So I want to like touch on that. So like, I got sidetracked earlier, but yeah, essentially the thing that caught me off guard was then you go through the whole thing. He tries to, he sees the priest being burned. Like no, and I can't. It's been a while since I actually read it at this point, so I can't exactly remember it goes down. But then it's basically revealed because Ash then walks alongside you, like, wait, you're not dead, <laughs> and it's like, no, no, this is this is an illusion of what would happen if you did kill me. <laughs> At which point we snap back to her stuck in the cage being burned. And it's like, yep, that, that's what's going to happen if you don't free me. No, the, 
Because the worst part is, it's not even just an illusion. It's a disease that only witches can get, which triggers us like a self-defense mechanism. I mean, you say worst. I think that's a really clever twist. That completely called me sure, a Sure, sure. Don't get it. me wrong, but it's also just like a... Why, why, why the need to be so ass-pully with it in some ways? It's like... It is foreshadowed. It's foreshadowed by saying he picks up a book and goes, oh, hey, there's this disease in this book about witch medicine, and then it doesn't tell you anything else about it, just the name. And then she says, yes, I've got this disease we talked about earlier on this one panel. It does go into it a little bit about how it reacts to stress. To be fair, that scene has the far more fundamental problem of he picks up this witch book, reads it a bit, and goes, man, Ash, are you a witch? And she very clearly reacts in the way that says, yes, I'm a witch. But nah, she couldn't be a witch. That's crazy. Not gonna lie. Like, witch trials going on. You think, maybe don't have a book about witch diseases on your bookshelf. I mean, that too. Just saying. But I appreciate that wasn't why they caught her or anything. They did just straight up go, <laughs> I want your stuff, so clearly you're a witch. But Just not doing them any favours. At that point, if they actually did an investigation, they go, she's got a book on, book on witch diseases. Clearly she's a witch. It's like, <laughs> yeah, why, why would anyone have any reason to have that if you're not a witch? Well, she's a nurse. Even witches need medical attention. <laughs> But point is, I thought the whole like illusion magic gimmick was a uh, a good surprise and a, a neat twist because it's you don't not something you see a huge amount of. And I'd argue after uh, we've covered series in this before where it's been like, well, once you've made things illusions, what do I believe? What's real? It's all a nonsense. Kind of irrelevant when it's a one shot. Kind of irrelevant yeah. when it's a one shot, sure. But I think I think for example, Sabasa was one where we were like, oh god, it's one of these where what do you believe? Because yeah, because it just keeps telling you, no, that's a lie, no, this line is like, well, why should I believe anything you tell me? Yeah, but in yeah. this one, I think it actually does a good job of kind of, like, distinguishing this is real, this was the illusion, this is real. Sure. The main reason why um, it's so annoying when you just don't know what's real is because it gives the a lazy writer means to just pull anything they want, because like, aha, it was an illusion all along, and everything's fine now, or everything's worse, or Everything sideways, whatever. You know, just ev- it allows you them to say whatever they want. That's not what they do here. No, and to me, to be fair, that trope is always worse than that to me because it's at that point you're essentially telling me why am I bothering to read this? Because yeah. none of this, technically, none of this could matter. They could just wake up at the yeah. end and go, "It was all a dream," and it's like, "Well, why? Why did I waste time and energy on this?" Oh, that's the same reason I hate time travel. As soon as you open the door to time travel, pretty much everything is off the table uh, on the table you can do whatever you want time travel's fine in my book like if you as long as you handle it sensibly it's fine sure like i'm not gonna get mad at doctor who because it involves time travel okay yeah but doctor who handles things in a very different and specific way yes it has rules yeah it actually has rules whereas a lot of people say you can go back in time therefore change whatever the fuck you want and yeah that's not how it works although doctor who also breaks its own rules but this is not the Doctor Who podcast. Half the time, the rules are very arbitrary in Doctor Who. It's like, can't Flexible. go to the same place twice. It's like, all right, but could I go like five minutes later and just like <laughs> make this not a problem all of a sudden? Like, let's, I d- let's not talk about those episodes where they were just like, <laughs> you could just you could just go next to New York and walk in. <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, he's falling in love with this French 
nobility lady, but they can't go back in time to find her when she's still alive and young. No, can't do that. Can't can't go like a day after he left. It's like, no, can't do that. Can't got to have a tragic tear jerking moment where he's not allowed to love. And then there's other episodes where he actually does go back to the same place as his former self. There's a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. Welp. <laughs> and future self in one episode. And that's before you get to the episodes, yeah, where they just stand side by side and be like, well, <laughs> what a weird time-space thing. I can be here next to me. <laughs> uh, Doctor Who, everyone. <laughs> Point is, yes, it does have rules, and they try to stick to them as much as they can. And I feel like this also has that same rule. Like, it doesn't try to convince you it's a dream within a dream type situation. It, it doesn't try to convince you at any point because there is no point for it to try and do so because the way it's presented is just this is what's happened until it goes right that was all an illusion and that's that like it gives you a very clear cut while you don't realize it when you're reading or until you get to the, the big reveal you do sort of have that very noticeable cut in the story i suppose of where it happens so you can say in your mind you can go oh all this is part of the illusion ever since she dropped into the fire yeah. until the reveal of it's an illusion. That's all an illusion. Because it's explained. That yeah. is the illusion. That makes it very easy to separate it all in your mind. They never try to go like two or three levels deep with it either, which is very useful. Because it allows you to trust what is in reality. Mm. Now, you've woken up from the dream. That's just reality now. You don't have to be on your guard at all times for another twist coming. That's why I like this story as a one-shot and I would not want it to be a serialized thing because I like that it ends there. I feel like you said everything. I, th I think one of my problems here is she does the big reveal. It's like, it was all an illusion. This is what would happen if you did kill me. And it's like, okay, fair enough. But again, you've just straight up admitted to the church you're a witch. Why would they... <laughs> I appreciate you saying, ah, doom shall befall you if you kill me, but... <laughs> when did that ever stop the church before? <laughs> in, in fairness, it's because it's back to the bishop at that time, not the pope. And I'm getting that he, he's in it for the money, not for the religion. <laughs> no, I get that. But again, it's one of those things where surely you still go, I, I am technically part of the church. We're supposed to be killing witches and you've just admitted you're a witch. <laughs> Probably because his entire town would kill him at that point. Which he did see in the flash forward would happen. The problem here is you then also trusting that the illusion is foretelling the future, and it's not just the witch trying to get out of being if killed. If I've lived through a three-year illusion, which presumably is going on in real time, and then get told, "Ah, oh, no, all you have to do is not do this, and your life won't I, be out. Yes. But the point is, Sean, you're putting faith that the witch isn't lying to you for their own benefit. I don't care. She's not going to kill me if I don't kill her. <laughs> But she might not kill you, but she might go on to kill other innocents, Sean, because she's a witch. I don't care. I'm not dead. Uh, sure. <laughs> yeah, I didn't mind that as a plot device and the reason for it, because it's very, very clear that the characters involved, like the bishop and what have you, it's very, very clear that their will is flexible based on what they want at the time. And because even though the, yeah, we're the church, we're supposed to kill witches, it's very clear that's not, they're not driven by some moral desire. They're driven by self preservation. I, I appreciate that. It's just, it's one of those things where it's like, 
Uh, uh. <laughs> sure. That kind of brings me to the thing I dislike the most about this, but what were you about to say? I was about to say, it also kind of brings me to my other gripe, which is with Belle, the male character, and I suppose the main character, I guess. Yeah, I guess. We're, we're told he is a sacred he, he is a sacred knight of Benazi. It's not really relevant. And he is on a pilgrimage. Which is also not really relevant. Which is also not really relevant, but it's kind of like... I mean, I'd, I'd argue he's not really relevant, full stop. But, you know. <laughs> he, he isn't, no. Not super relevant, no. He does feel like he's there because he needs to be there to have a story. He's, he's there so we have that story in that middle part at the very least, yes. You, you need someone to engage with the witch, so here's generic guy McGee. <laughs> yeah. Who just apparently falls in love with her and abandons his order and pilgrimage and yeah like i don't i don't get his motivation in this at all love mike love are we doing this again no <laughs> this but... to the moon again no no this is not that <laughs> because this guy has literally devoted his life to some sort of sacred order which is allowing him to go on a pilgrimage of sorts he rocks up into town and it's not even really love at first sight. He's just like, I love you now. <laughs> why? You've barely interacted. <laughs> but why? <laughs> I don't think it's even mutual. <laughs> I was going to say, it's not even like it's mutual until like right at the end, like literally <laughs> right at the end. Because the whole time she's barely saying anything to him. She treats his wounds he gets while defending her once. Yeah, which is, you know, just courtesy, I feel, if you are a nurse. Yeah, and then it's like, oh, by the way, now that whole business with the bishop sorted, uh, I've dropped out of my order and stopped this pilgrimage. Let, let's bang, okay? She's like, whoa there, friend. You better slow down. Let's have a conversation first. Bare fucking minimum. Now we're in love now. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I feel they have as much of a conversation as you're going to get in a one-shot. Sure. Mm. I disagree. I'm, I'm not disputing that part. I, I am. If you guys, if you guys tell me it's on the shorter side, I am very much disputing it. They could have devoted more time to it. Uh, bear in mind, they still might only have had a certain number of pages to do this. Yeah. Also, they are with. They are to get like together on a lot of the pre-burning stuff. Like after the initial event, because there's the bit where he's going around with her with the apples. The times when she's in the clinic, we see flashbacks to them having been. You say this. As well. This is the space of like a day. I'm pretty sure it was like meant to be like a week or so that they've been in the town. Nah. It's not very clear, and that's one of my biggest gripes with this. It's very dense and confusingly written. There is too much text, yes. Way too much text. And it's like, it's the point where you're looking at it and you don't know where your eye is supposed to be drawn in any given panel. At least that's the, my recollection No, that's of fair, because I know one of my notes was also like that the art was probably... A bit too. I know we've I've critiqued it a few times in the past, like art being a bit too detailed. So it's mm -hmm. kind of becomes hard to follow because you're like, what's what's important in this scene? Because you've detailed everything, which is lovely, but where am I meant to be looking? Yeah, it just it it's just physically difficult to read, and like it it required me multiple reads of each page just to understand what the fuck happened. I don't even think it's necessarily the detail; it's the way it's laid out because it quite often has something or someone overlapping multiple panels so then it's sort of like okay but where are the panels so i know the flow of the page kind of thing yeah it's just it's really hard to just like sit and read like okay i'm i'm not a very 
high I'm not a highly experienced manga reader. Like I can't blow through these things in as much time as you two did. Did you two have as much trouble as I did reading this? Uh, it got easier bit, as it went on. Too much. Some of the early pages definitely have issues where it's like I can't tell which order I'm meant to be reading in, but around about 10-15 pages in it starts this move out. So for me it was mainly just those pages where say you've got something or someone overlapping multiple panels. For me it was fucking rough. <laughs> that makes it hard but otherwise I didn't have too much trouble. Just because I, where it's got clear cut panels I can quite easily tell where I'm supposed to be reading where I'm supposed to be looking. It legitimately took me three maybe four reads of this to understand that the whole thing was an illusion. Oh, <laughs> uh, right. I got so fucking confused. Like, oh, that's what's happened. I mean, I'm going to be blood, buddy. I thought that was obvious when they revealed it. <laughs> no, it, was, it wasn't just that. It was, the, it was the fact that the thing seemed to jump all over the place, even though it didn't. I kind of get what Mike's saying there. Cause the, this is the other problem I had. Is the very first page is of someone being presumably ash being accused of being a witch but it's a different what would you call it court i guess mm -hmm. to the one in the main story but then not that that's just sort of it we just sort of have this she's a witch burner ah and then it's like cuts to the rest of the story and it's like okay but what what did that page have to do with the rest of the story like i get kind of setting establishing the setting like witch trials and stuff but because the character looks like Ash, and actually, I've got it open here. They even call her Ash. It's like, okay, but how does that fit into the Ash we know? Is it the Ash we know? What's why? Why do we not know what's happened after that compared to? It's a flash forward. It's a classic technique. No, that's not a flash forward because it's a different character accusing her of being a witch. <laughs> this is kind of my point. It's confusingly created. Like, I don't. I, that's that was my main draw from this. Like. And I'm not a huge manga expert. I'm basically here as the the novice reader to give the novice point of view. I understand that very well. And I so I found this by doing some research and finding like what people consider to be good and then finding one that fit our criteria and one that I might look like I enjoy. And then so I found this on like one of the lists of like this is of like top one-shot manga kind of thing. This was something I, I know I griped Sean about. Yeah, I don't understand. I don't think this is bad, by any means. I do think it's distinctly okay. Yeah, I don't get it. And the thing was, I was like, I don't understand. I said to Sean, I, was like, I thought Mike said this was on like, top one-shots or something. I don't get it. And then Sean said this from the guy who did Chainsaw Man, was it? No, that's my one. Spike's family is this one. Chainsaw Man? <laughs> Sorry, carry on. We'll, we'll, we'll get, get to that. To that You've reacted like Sean's. that every time we've named dropped that series over the years. But but yeah, then Sean said, "Oh, this from the guy who's done Spy X Family." I was like, "Ah, that's why it's not actually a top one shots. It's just it's the author, basically." Right. Okay, that makes a bit more sense then. Popular rather than good is why it's, it's like if Tai Kubo did a one shot. Well, he's done Burn the Witch. <laughs> Burn the Witch. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it doesn't matter how good it is, everyone's going to go, oh my god, it's that really popular author, he's doing a new bear, thing. Bear in mind, this was before they um, did Spike's Family, so this would be people who've read Spike's Family going, I want to read more by yes. that guy or girl, right. I don't know if it's guy or girl. See, but... That makes a bit more sense to me, because honestly, even if this was, I'm going to say a, a harsh word, competently written and competently put together, 
even if it was that, I would still think it's just fine as a story. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. I I don't think it's bad. I think it's fine. I definitely feel like it has potential, and that if you worked on it some more in a serialized format, you could probably get something good out of it. I could absolutely imagine this being a serialized series. Yeah. So as as we say, basically after after the big reveal, it's an illusion. They let her go free. He he abandons the order. They get together, I guess, and it's like, great, let's go. Well, they also show at the end as well that her illusions don't just have to be like three-year hellscapes. They can also be like, oh, man, now we're in like a pretty greenhouse flower thing because you're stressed in a happy way, I guess, or something. I don't know. But uh, yeah. they show that there's more versatility to that gimmick than just doom and gloom. They do, but I, yeah. This does actually, now that you point out the whole trying to get serialized thing, it does give me vibes of the original like Bleach one shot where it's like it's it's like it's a fine story, but it's just not there yet. You yes. know? Like it's just it's it's fine, but this ain't gonna be pulling in top charts anytime this, soon this if it continues like this. Yeah. And I think that's that's my main two my two main points of this. It's just kind of fine if it was written badly, but my other point is it's kind of written really badly. <laughs> well I think one I'm I'm not certain on this because I don't fully know what the process for the manga is, admittedly. Mm-hmm. But I suspect one shots don't go through as much editing as serialized stuff does. Yeah, that makes sense. There's like less stakes involved. I mean, kind of generally, thing. again, I can't say if it was the case for this one, but I know a lot of them are done through like competitions and that. So you don't have an yeah. editor to say you enter in a competition and then they're like, oh, we'll print the top four in our magazine. Yeah. So obviously, it's just very much just draw what you want tell the story you first have pretty much like they might do some editing themselves to tweak how they feel but they don't have an editor to say oh well actually why don't we cut this and do something like this and move this bit around or whatever i was gonna say from what i know and again i don't work in the industry so minimal it would be essentially you'd submit it and then if they liked it they bring you in for a chat about it where they'd highlight things so rather than during the process, it would be like, uh, let's review it afterwards kind of thing. Yeah. And then normally if you did get serialized, they would look at you one shot and go, all right, this is what we like. This is what we didn't like. Here's you an go, editor. You're going for like, <laughs> yeah, isn't it? Well, not even just as an editor, just generally like the company. No, I mean that they'd have an editor assigned to them at that point. Oh, yes, they, they would have an editor, yes. But the point is, before they even did like the first chat, they'd sit down and go, here's the one shot. We think for serialization, these bits need to change. Obviously, because you're serializing it, you need to change bits already. Like You can't just have it end. Obviously, in this case, it's not a massive issue, but you don't have them get together in chapter one or two or whatever, do you? You no. drag that out for... I mean, it depends on the series. <laughs> it, it does. but I don't think it does. I think they always drag it out. <laughs> Where's your first sight, Mike? That is dragged out in an entirely different way. <laughs> if you want my opinions on that, go listen to the episode. I go at length. What's wrong with that? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the really the only episode where me and you, Mike, have been at absolute loggerheads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But to be fair, I'm I'm happy the author of this went on to have success with Spike's family. I'm always happy when that happens. Yeah. I'd say nothing wrong with it. The art in general, besides some confusing places, I don't think was bad. I wouldn't say it was great. It was nothing special, I don't think, but I like the designs. Mm-hmm. Like um, Bell's outfit's quite cool. 
Yeah. yeah. Like it, it definitely looks sacred ordery. Yeah, it evokes the right images and stuff. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. I have no particular problem with it. This does very much feel like anime Dark Ages. <laughs> so, yeah. Well done. You nailed that one. It's a, it's a solid stepping stone, basically, is how I viewed it. Yeah. Sure. And that's pretty much all I got from that one. Oh, yeah. So, shall we move on to number two? Uh, yes, let's. So, next up, it's Phil's choice. Tomei Ningen no Sukurikata, a.k.a. How to Make an Invisible Man. This is a psychological drama manga that ran from February to March 2010. Uh, written and drawn by A.G. Masada, who also did the 22-volume uh, series, My Monster Secret, Actually I Am... Dot, dot, dot. Yeah, I think I think the Japanese the titles thing. actually I am. Yeah, Jitsu Hitashi oh, okay. which translates to actually I am. And then I think they localized it as my monster secret for whatever reason. Probably so people knew what it was about. <laughs> I, I know the reason, but I don't know the reason. But do you know the plot, Phil? Can you tell us about the plot and the premise of how to make an invisible man? Oh sure. Cast your minds back when you are wee whippersnappers if you're our age to the far-flung time of the late 90s and early 2000s and there were these wonderful things called chain texts and chain emails going around such wonderful delights as if you forward this to 10 people your wish will come true or your crush will well. fall in love with you or oh whatever. my god how do I do this yeah yeah just, just hit reply send it to all your friends Send it to at least 10 people. Guaranteed, Sean. It's super not obnoxious. Yes. You know, super common at the time. And, you know, anyone with half a brain knew, just ignore it, hit delete, ignore it, move on. But the uh, premise of our manga is about a young boy of, I'm, I don't know, 18. Manga age. Ma- man- high school age. Saito Shinji, who. He's a little bored of the island life. The island where nothing happens. He has to create his own fun, plays pranks on the teachers, so on and so forth. And generally is just a bit fed up of it all. Everyone thinks he's got it easy when really he hasn't. Until he gets that faithful text saying, do you want to be an invisible man? Here's how you do it. Just, just hit reply and you can become invisible. So he does. And that's our manga. Now, invisibility in this is a little different yes. to the So th- this thing, this is invisibility, but it's invisibility in a different way to what most people would expect. It is kind of similar to, to continue the Doctor Who references, mm. uh, similar to the silence from Doctor Who. Yes. Kind, kind of. of. Yeah. There, there is a few subtle differences, but yeah, that general Along trend. those lines, yeah. So, to cut to the end part of this transformation, because it is a transformation. It does take a little while, yeah. Basically, the idea is you will disappear from photographs, people start forgetting events you did, and people just start forgetting you until eventually they can't see you either, and they've just completely forgotten you, but you're still there. Just unable to interact with people. Unable to be seen or heard through any means yeah that's uh 
I mean, they never really explore it, which is probably for a good thing because it would start bringing in like a lot of plot holes into the series. But they never really explore the idea of if I'm holding a can and I throw the can at someone. <laughs> yes. What happens? <laughs> yes, they didn't because I don't think that was really. It's not the point. And as I say, it would open plot holes, but it is like when you think about it, like we do for this series, I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> yes, I, I think obviously there would be some other things to be involved around that. Like, so obviously there's a whole aspect of, well, he's still a person, as far as we know. Yes. He's, he's got to eat, surely, so... Yeah, but his parents don't remember him, so they stop leaving so, out food yeah, for so him. Yeah, leaving... but that's the point, like, where, where does he get food? Because he can't pay for stuff because no one can see him. Yeah. But uh, you know, there's a whole whole set of things you just kind of have to ignore. Which, in a short series like this, I'm willing to do. That was the only other thing I didn't mention. So I mentioned this ran for a couple of months. That's because unlike mine and Mike's choices, which were one shots, this is an eight chapter short series. Yeah, it's about 100, 150 pages, I think, overall. I don't know, 200 absolute marks, any case. It's one volume. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, the idea is very much that you just don't think about it too hard. Yeah, don't don't think about the specifics of it too much. Cause, again, yeah. it's, it's a one shot. It doesn't need to go into those kinds of details mm -hmm. obviously if it was a, a longer running series i would start going well hang on why can't he write a message or something somewhere i suppose yeah. because similar to photographs it wouldn't stay why don't his parents go man it's fucking weird that we've got a room for a child here huh <laughs> yeah the whole thing is a discussion on weaponized loneliness not an not not a what if you just disappeared kind of thing. Yes, the, the the point was more around he disappears because he feels he doesn't belong. Mm -hmm. And spoiler alert, he realizes he belongs. Yeah, it's a little weird when he does feel like he doesn't belong because the reason why and correct me if I'm wrong, but the reason why he says he doesn't belong is because he was always placed in the position of the class clown and never really had any proper friends. It's more that he's the outsider. Right. So, like, he didn't... He wasn't born on this island. His family no. moved here. And then, essentially, like, just from, like, an errant conversation as a kid of going, like, oh, yeah, the big city, we've got all... We've got arcades and all this, so it's kind of boring here. And then other kids just when we're like, going, you hear that? He thinks it's boring here. Fuck him. <laughs> and then, yeah. Hence why he goes down the path of class crown. It's more for attention than anything. But then, then the problem is, as you see in like the first chapter, where he's he's doing all these pranks, and then he's like, "Oh, yeah, you guys should help me do this," and they're all like, "Oh no, we couldn't possibly do that. We'd get in trouble for that." Yeah, he he's he's idolized and popular in that regard. But when he's like, "Oh man, we should hang out," and like, eh, yeah, no. And then and then it's like, "Oh, what are your career plans?" And it's he passed them his sheet, which is just empty. And he's just like, oh, you know, I'm just having to think about it. And like, oh, look at you with the easy life, able to kick back and decide what you want to do. And it's like, nah, nah, he's he's actually genuinely thinking and having trouble with this. But you're belittling him, essentially. Being a dick. Yes. At point, he punches a bitch. Yes. Well, because that's sort of the first instance of him turning invisible. Because after that, he goes off, replies to this text. And then next day, he encounters the guy he punched and... One of the friends is like, oh, how'd, how'd you get that injury? And they're like, oh, I don't know. Because everyone's forgot he got punched in the middle of the classroom. 
my main issue with this whole story hook is it doesn't feel very believable that this guy would want Whoa, steady to be invisible. Not, not believable that someone... Oh, okay. They would want to be. <laughs> not believable someone would go invisible. I mean, it, it's not, if you're going to bring that up. It's not super believable <laughs> that someone would go invisible by answering a chain text. But besides that... <laughs> well, I know, you know what? I'm going to go with this. Because this is one mechanic it does then briefly decide that it wants to touch on. It's not that... It's so... The way it's presented originally is he gets the chain text, he responds to it, and that's the trigger for Invisible. Mm-hmm. However, as we discover later on, if you just nick someone's phone, <laughs> yeah. send the text to them, and then reply on their behalf, that counts? No. No. <laughs> I'm going to argue here. Go that's what it. the villain that's, of the story that's what implies. They theorize will happen. They say, what do you reckon will happen if we hit send? I bet she turns invisible. And then we never find out because he doesn't do it. But I, I understand what you're saying, but... This story also has a villain, by the way. Uh, yeah, this is... I, I don't mind Mickey, to give her her name. Mm-hmm. A female invisible person that the main character, Shinji, starts to see after he starts to turn invisible, because, funnily enough, invisible people can see other invisible people. Totally how it works. Totally how it works. Why not? Uh, sure, why not? It's it's different to your standard invisibility. Why not? So I, I don't mind her as a villain. She's sort of there luring him to the further into the invisibility world. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, come join us. Be be more invisible to the rest of the world. These you're, people you're one, clearly you're one hate of us. You. Yeah, join us. You you made that choice, so clearly you weren't happy. I just think they even say it pretty much like. The world is split in two. There's, there's those that belong and those that don't, and you're one that doesn't belong. So join us. Belong here instead, kind of thing. Uh, don't, don't belong there, Phil, because then that's, that, would, that would undo it. <laughs> there's uh, one thing that bothers me about Mickey. Do tell. The way she's drawn, because it's fucking weird. <laughs> it's a little weird. Her mouth is about twice the size it should be in every shot. We'll touch on that in a bit, but no, not that. It's uh, the fact that... So, I mean, we're talking about the whole thing. So we find out towards the end of this that uh, Mickey's actually Shinji's sister who became invisible. And was like, oh, you know. Which is a great twist. Great twist. The problem is, we find that out at the end of the manga, which, you know, fine. Yeah. No problem. I realized this on my second read-through when I knew who she was. It was like, no, wait, no. And then, and then <laughs> yeah, it's, you're, you're going to say the bit um, about... No, the... By all means, Phil, have that. <laughs> so, pretty much first interaction, second interaction, she's already invisible. He's still... He's transparent, I think, is the term they give it at that point. Like, people can still see him and interact with him, but he is turning invisible. Mm-hmm. Being forgotten, yeah. So he he's he can see the invisible people, but everyone else can still see him. His kind of thing. So uh, Mickey just starts full on macking on him. Yep, it gets a bit incesty. A bit, <laughs> <laughs> just a bit, just a bit. And it's like, uh, like things. I wouldn't even mind it too much if like Mickey was just like some stalker, Yander type character who just wasn't his sister. Then yeah. it'd be like. All right, cool. Yeah, that that's a cool story. Or if they remove the macking and then they just have 
her be his sister. It doesn't really amount to anything either. It's just it's just sort of there. It's like just pick one or the other, please. Don't don't have this really weird incest thing. <laughs> like I can only assume the original intention was stalker Yander ex lover type character. But then they're like, no, we need a twist. Then like, no, no, actually, they're family. <laughs> and they're, and why do you why do you say like that? Why like you think it's some big shock moment? It's not doing what you think it's doing. <laughs> well, that's I, I don't mind. It is a big shocking reveal. It, it is happens. very shocking. Like I like I like that reveal. It's just then, yeah. When you go back and think about the story, it's like, uh oh. Say the 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 reveal that actually he knew her before she turned invisible, and then has you have that moment that he has when he finally turns invisible with his childhood friend, basically where that last penultimate moment before going truly invisible where it's like i'm looking for this person have you seen shinji and she's talking to shinji and it's like oh no you're shinji ah and then forgets him completely the next day completely air quotes yeah like, there's nothing wrong with it being a big reveal that it's his sister there's nothing wrong with it being a big reveal they knew each other beforehand I just don't know why you combined this. There's really no reason for as, it. As I, say, as I say, for me, it's one of those cases where if you want the Mac in, please go stalkery, girlfriend, whatever route. Drop the sister part. It'd have been fine. To me, this, this, this raises some horrifying implications of her just lurking around his bedroom, being completely <laughs> invisible. We see that as well in like a photo that Kana's taken where once he's signed the deal, as it were, and it's becoming invisible, that, oh no, there she is, like hanging off his shoulders. Yes, he, he can see her in photos where he obviously didn't see her before. It's like, oh no. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> like, yes, you, you can, as with anything with invisibility, you can draw the oh no roots. <laughs> yeah. Even though it's, it's, is it worse that it's not traditional invisibility? That's like they just forget you immediately. Is that is that not worse? immediate? That's the thing. That's why I do like that. It is a gradual process. Yeah, but I mean, like once it's complete, you for, you're essentially forgetting people in real time, so you can do literally anything. No, because the point is they're not even forgetting them in real time at that point. Mike, the point is they they are non-existent. Effectively, mm. they they can't be seen. They can't be heard. They can't be remembered. So there is nothing to forget in real time because they're not even entering the person's consciousness. And I, I appreciate what you're saying, Mike, but... Mm. Yeah, because I think Mike's leading to the idea of, like, maybe, so if they're invisible, like, what, what, essentially what happens, like, if you punch people or take that to more extremes, as it were, because mm -hmm. you're invisible, so what if I just pull your trousers down? What happens then? You're not just invisible, you're also free from responsibility. Yeah. <laughs> Which is sort of one of the things that comes up, isn't it? It's sort of like when he turns invisible, makes like well, there you go, you've you're free. You can do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. You you can leave the island with me because that's the whole point. She's she's trying to lure him off the island. It's one of many things that the story doesn't really explore. Which again, I get why in the context of a short focused short series, not yeah. one shot. 
But uh, it would be nice to like look more into that element of it, I feel. It is one of the many things it tells you to just not to think too much about. Just, yeah. just on that comment, so the author's current work, uh, which let me see if I can find the English title for. Oh yeah, like while Phil looks that up, let me uh, let me drop this bomb. Phil's read that twenty-two volume monster series. I have, yes. Well, anyway, the the author's current work, Yumemiga Oka Wonderland, which I couldn't tell you what that is in English. Something something Wonderland. <laughs> oh my god, you know Japanese? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the most recent translated chapter. I don't know if it's necessarily the most recent chapter was actually all about invisible people. That current series is sort of like an anthology series, I guess. Set in, like, modern day, but something happens and all of a sudden people's wishes are coming true. And someone wished they became invisible. And it's different to how it's handled in this one, because in, in that one shot, I guess, that one chapter, essentially someone's going looking for this person who is supposedly an invisible person, meet them and it's like, oh, hey, yeah, I'm probably an invisible person. And then it turns out that they're not invisible at all. What's happening is the person that thinks they're invisible keeps forgetting. Oh, it is more like the silence. <laughs> no, no. You interact with them, you look away and go, wait. No. Okay. No, because that's, that's the big reveal of that chapter, effectively, is they're like, oh, I'm invisible, so I can do whatever the fuck I want, kind of thing. And then everyone from their past just comes running up and is like, oh my god, here you are, Like, how could you run out, what about all this debt, or what about all this stuff we promised we'd do, and oh, how could you forget me, and blah blah blah, and then you turn out basically the way her wish has been realised is that she forgets all of those interactions herself, so then every time she goes and moves to get away from everything, to basically try and make self invisible clothes off from society, She's just like, oh yeah, no one's talked to me in years. Like, clearly I'm invisible, even though people keep finding her week after week after week. <laughs> that sounds like some monkey's paw shit. Yes, yes. Saying. It's full on monkey's paw invisibility. It's like, yeah, you're totally invisible, even though you're not, but you as the wisher think you are. So it's just sort of, you, you do sort they do sort of explore invisibility again in a kind of let me let me say that I'm happy this isn't that because that sounds way more convoluted. It, uh, the way I'm explaining it's probably not great. I feel this has more storytelling potential than the one you've just described there. Yes, well, this yes. one intentionally ignores a lot of oh, a, a lot of consequences and a lot of yeah. uh, side issues in the just so they can explore it from a story point of view. We're just basically told to say, "All right, this is the deal. Don't question it." Now here's a story, and I kind of appreciate that, especially for in a short series type format. Absolutely, it allows it to focus so much more on the emotional side of things rather than the physical yeah. or practical side. Like most of the stuff we read for this uh, podcast is a first it's or a second volume of <laughs> Sinitica, yes, but it's it's of a long series. First two volumes of a long series, so we have to be thinking it from a context of a longer term something that's setting up for much uh, further in the future. I mean, one of the questions we ask at the end of almost every episode is, would you read more? <laughs> yeah, so without that constrictor, it, this story is actually pretty well thought out, I think. 
I don't think it's more complicated than it needs to be or anything like that. I think it's, I think it's pretty solid. Yeah, so I, I, I get sort of like what you guys are saying. Like, obviously, if this wasn't a one volume, if it was a longer running series, there is a lot of those sorts of questions you then sort of have to explore in some way. Like, as I think Sean said, what happens if you just like pick up a can of coffee? Yeah. Like, does someone just see a floating can of coffee or? They forget the coffee exists. <laughs> they forget the coffee. And to be yeah. fair, well, one way of looking at it is that, oh, I can't believe it didn't go into this. Another way of looking at it is like, well, Matt, I was invested enough in this that I would love to know more about the world and how this would yeah. work. Uh, the thing is as well is I think there's, we, we're asking a lot of these questions, sort of as Sean said, like, that's all what we do. But ultimately, I don't think a lot of them are overly necessary for this particular story. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's not relevant as such. You could also assume that all of these things we thought of that he has, in fact, already tried. If, because at, toward the end of the story, before he gets revisibilized, which we've not talked about yet, we've not talked about, but spoiler alert, it gets fixed. Yeah. He is at the moment of like complete despair about it because he genuinely regrets his decision and he wants to be remembered. In, in particular, he says, I don't care if everyone forgets about me with the exception of Kana, his childhood friend. Yeah. I was going to say, do we want to talk about her a little bit as well? Because we've danced around her. <laughs> my, my point was just that you could uh, assume at that point, based on the context clues, that he actually already tried all this stuff already. Well, because we do also know at one point he has been invisible for about a month. I was going to say, yeah, we do learn that like this has not, this isn't like over the space of like a week. This is actually like. Well, I, th- I think you know him. T- him turning invisible is probably a few days to a week, but then, sort of. So we've mentioned Kana, this childhood friend. She seemingly still remembers him, or she doesn't remember him, but she remembers there's a reason she always goes to a particular spot every day. Yeah, like a place to eat, lunch a, a, like a bench where they always met, basically. Mm-hmm. and she goes there every day still, even though she can't remember him. And he sees this and the fact that she's buying two drinks still, even though she's the only one there. So she clearly still has some... She has like an echo of something in her mind, yeah. Yeah, some, something's telling her something's wrong, effectively, but she doesn't realise it, she can't put any thought into it kind of thing. Yeah, in the same way that you might accidentally put out a plate for... For like a, a lost loved one kind of thing before realizing they're gone. Same sort of idea. Yeah. Kinda, yeah. But we see Shinji goes and sees her there every day for a few days, and then at one point it just says, It's been a month, kind of thing. Like he's been doing that for a month. Yeah. Because right there's Mickey at Mickey at first is going, Oh, it's just a coincidence, it's just, you know, it's just a force of habit. She'll grow out of it, because you know, you, you don't exist anymore. But then, yeah, it keeps going and going and going. And you hear that she's even walking out on school to do this. And it's like kind of the penny drops that, oh, my God, someone does care about me. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the fact that he realizes they and this is where sort of him becoming visible again comes in is like they they belong together. Essentially, they they are each other's place to belong. Not romantically, though. Not romantically. Yes, romantically. Yes, yes romantically. Damn it. Yes, yes. romantically. Damn so, it. This, so this thing's obviously right, right at the start. You know, 
Because this is the impetus for the entire thing. Yeah, Shinji's like, hey, Kana, let, let's go out. And she's like, nah, that sounds like a pain in the ass. Because, yeah. you know, he's prankster. So she's not really bothered about it. But then the point is, when he turns invisible, she's realizing something's missing from her life. I think we also get like a flashback at one point where she's like completely caught off guard by the question, like, would have, would love to go out with him, but hadn't really yeah. thought about it until that moment. <laughs> But, like, you find out she's also bored at the island, and it's kind of... They relieved each other's boredom, is the way yeah, I'm they, they, they were... Oh, wait, they kept each other happy. They, they gave each other a reason to be there, basically. And the point is, once you realise you've got a place to belong, a place to return to with people waiting for you, oh my god, you're not invisible anymore. And that, that's how you stop being invisible, kids. And that's basically how the thing ends, just... All of a sudden, oh, I do belong. It doesn't really need anything else. It's like a nice, sweet it's emotion. Like, it's like, yeah, he, he sits down on the bench and she's like, oh my god, why didn't you get here quicker? And he's like, well, shit, I'm visible again. <laughs> and then Mickey's like, turns to the thousand other invisible people we just didn't see for some reason. Just going to gloss over that. Uh, they, weren't, they weren't getting involved for whatever reason. I don't know. Yeah, sure. And they're like, yeah, let's just go. Looks like it didn't work out. Shucks. Guess guess you can't take your brother with you. Your brother lover, yep. Yep, <laughs> yes. Well, I think the implication was by her brother would be the place that she belonged, but she wasn't yes. able to get there. But then I believe this was like a little epilogue, five, two, two to five pages in presumably a Takabon release rather than whatever it was serialized in. Right, you get like that little epilogue flash forward of like it. It doesn't say how far into the future, but it's sort of implied. Kana and Shinji have a kid, and then Mickey steps off a bow, and Shinji's oh. like, "Hey, yes." Because the implication towards the end is that all invisible people realize, "Whoops." Yeah, or the the implication is eventually all invisible people stop being invisible because they find their place they belong. Yeah. So if anything, it's therapy. Yes. <laughs> See, when you said step off a boat, I thought you meant... No, 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 as in steps off a boat onto the island, Mike, not just, like, commits suicide. Ritual Sudoku, yes. Ritual Sudoku, sure. Yeah, okay, yep. Fair enough. She lives happily ever after with a ghastly smile. <laughs> Jesus her, Christ, that art. Her janky art, yes. So, art, yeah. Go on, then. You guys first. Honestly, it's fine, apart from that. Apart from her, most of the art's fine. It's just yeah. that fucking facial expressions are fucking whack on her. I'm guessing the implication, the idea, is to make her look a little more unsettling. Oh, she's I the guess one she's meant to be like in. creepy and like lean into the yander and the otherworldliness of her, but it goes too far. It's just her face. <laughs> yeah. So Sean's mentioned. I've read. To be fair, I think I've read all of this person's work, but I read the 22 volume Jitsuwa Watashiwa. Phil is a Monster Girl fan, as we've just learned today. Yep. I, I mean, I could correct this on a lot of levels, but um, I don't want to drag this podcast out. <laughs> so let, let's just go with yes, sure. But one of the big reasons is actually the art, because I suspect this one shot was probably their, maybe not literally their first work, but first published work, maybe. Sure. So it does look a bit more rough compared to what they've done in the future. But one of the big things, and I know this is generally a thing of people that read 
uh, their work is around those facial expressions, particularly like those really creepy facial expressions. Like that can just be perfectly unsettling at the right time. Mm-hmm. And it's, I, I love them. Well, it's the uh, one of the things we all collectively loved about uh, solo leveling only I level up was that statue right at the beginning. Well, that's the thing. I feel that there's a balance there that like solo leveling or future diary, for example, get right and this doesn't. <laughs> I mean, what, what don't you like specifically? It's just too weirdly proportioned and all that. Like The, the mouth is very large, yeah, in this. I don't really have a problem with the proportions as such. I just have a problem with that just being her face. <laughs> you have a problem with her face. Wow, rude, Mike. <laughs> He's not my, wrong. <laughs> my my point was, it's like, you can put on a creepy face to enhance a character, sure, but that's not her putting on a face. It's that's just, just her a face. face. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, that's just what she looks like, regardless of her mood. Like oh no! I I see why she became an invisible person. She, <laughs> wow! Like... Wow! Rude. <laughs> that that is rude. <laughs> like yeah, like gen- generally, I I quite like Masada's art. Manages to do really unsettling faces at times, in like the best way. It's like here here is this. You're like ha ha ha! This is so. So funny, and then it's like actually deadly serious, really unsettling moment. And it's like, don't get me wrong, I could totally believe that, like, down the line, they find their style and they make it better. But yeah, this does appear to be like their first, at least on Mal, this is their first work. And yeah, this is rough around the edges in that. Regard. Yeah, so I did notice just generally Mickey's design, besides her face, felt a little rough around the edges, somewhat literally. It- kind of felt to me like they didn't really know what they wanted this invisibility thing to be so they kind of drew her like a ghost first and then decided mm-hmm. a bit later that she, it's not a ghost it's this weird social invisibility i mean i don't know if that's it would depend on if this series was drawn with the intention of it being long running or if it just was drawn with the intention of being like eight chapters as well short series because mm. if it was just intended as like short as even start, I would imagine most of the stuff was penciled out pretty early in terms of what the invisibility is. Sure, sure. Uh, just the the feeling I got was they wanted it to be more like being a ghost than being invisible, and they just used mm. invi- the term invisibility as a stylistic choice. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Well, I I don't hugely like the art on mickey herself but the rest of it is fine yeah like i've got no real problems with it and i don't know how long this would have taken to do it it goes a bit heavy on the shading sometimes but that's about it really that's really my only gripe the rest of it is really fine it's easy to read which is more than i could say for uh, <laughs> rengoku no ash that was poof, that was a trial this is much more like a your traditional serialized manga which Considering it's a volume long, is not really surprising. So I think obviously it's quite a bit longer than Ash of Purgatory. Mm-hmm. It's the longest one of the three we've done. It's, it's the longest of the three because obviously it is a volume. But I'm going to say at most double Sean's one, which in terms Sean's is a straight up one shot. Yeah. Compared to a one volume, I think that sort of puts it in perspective a bit. Yeah. Um. Characterize character wise. Um. 
honestly, they're all good characters as well. All believable. So I think it helps the fact it is there's three characters. Yeah. The only thing I didn't like character wise was that uh main character man whose name has slipped my mind. Yeah. Um yeah, the only thing that really bothers me is he does the jump to I wanna be invisible very quickly. And I know that that could just be an emotional teenage. He got turned swing. down, Mike. God, like the one person he cares about. Like. Fair, it wasn't even after that, it was after the confrontation with his air quote friends yeah like i i still i feel like it's a the big jump and yeah i also get that it's a chain mail it could have just been him doing a, a melodrama i didn't think it would actually work kind of well, thing. That, that was it he's he's literally just he, he's reading he's like oh yeah fucking i wish hit reply and yeah oh shit it, it worked also he probably has a different mind of what invisible means at that point yeah, I suppose. And I guess in that regard, it does lend itself towards him actually feeling regret about it and trying to come back to back to life, as it were. So no, I get it. It's, it's not a huge problem. It's just... I, 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 I think part of the thing is a lot of it had been weighing... It sort of implied a lot of it had already been weighing on his mind. He was feeling more and more out of place and obviously being rejected by Canada didn't help. But then when his friends are just like basically belittling his troubles i suppose it's just like what what's even the point kind of thing plus the implication is that mimi is the one who sent the text so it's probably just watching and waiting for him to be at his yes. point and being like yep he'll say yes now because yeah, probably one of, one of the weird little sides we get is that millions of people get this text and just go that's weird ignore it and then it vanishes well that's that's, that's sort of the whole point isn't it yeah it, it's a chain text and as said right at the start we all know if you get a chain text, you just you ignore it, you delete it because it's spam. And most sensible people, they go, "This is just spam, just delete it." But you know, he's he's caught at a low point. He's like, "Yeah, what? Why not?" You know, that that's how low I'm feeling at the moment. That's how desperate I am for anything. I'll reply to a shitty chain text. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Um... It's it was never a big problem, and I do think it is one of those many things that this story asks you nicely to sweep under the rug, just so we can get on with the story of it all. Mm. So yeah, I've got no real problem with it. Honestly, I think the whole thing's pretty good. Yeah, if you ignore the incest, yeah, it's pretty side um, <laughs> Lest we forget the incest, yes. I think we can all agree. Very bizarrely out of place. As, as said before, I can I can only think the author changed the mind towards the end and was like I, I assume so because they to be fair she stops doing that after a little bit and also I completely yeah. forgot that they macked and when I got to the end and was like oh that's a really sweet reveal it's only because I read because I read stuff for this twice the second read I was like wait, wait. do you reckon the author forgot as well <laughs> <laughs> like they're like I, mean, I imagine drawing something like this still takes quite a while so they did that they put it down they went on holiday for a week or whatever came back like right I'll start writing this Oh, I need a twist ending. It was his sister. <laughs> <laughs> and then the publishers are like, incest, I like it. It's selling at the moment. <laughs> incest sells, man. He's like, in what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, I'm getting paid, all right. <laughs> well, there we go. <laughs> on that lovely note of wincest, do we want to... <laughs> oh, God, yes. Let's Speaking of incest... incest. No, no. My series has nothing to do with incest. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you not have a manga made of incest? 
I mean, don't don't tempt me, Mike. There's time to change what we're reading. Uh, let's let's move away from incest and let's move on to the final one, which is my choice. I chose Look Back, known in English as Look Back. This is a drama slice of life one shot that came out earlier this year, in fact, in July 2021. As we've referenced, it's drawn by drawn and written by Tatsuki Fujimoto, who uh, is most famous for Chainsaw Man. This has been like. Oh, okay, fine. <laughs> I was just laughing at Chainsaw Man again. <laughs> okay, got it. <laughs> this is Man. you get to watch the anime next year, Mike. It'd be great. Yay! <laughs> this has uh, been licensed by Viz uh, digitally, so you can read it on the uh, the Jump website. Uh, there is a Tankabon version in Japan, so hey, maybe one day it'll get brought out in English over here. Who knows? So in this series, uh, we have our two characters, Fujino and Kiyomoto. Fujino enjoys drawing goofy manga strips for a class newspaper and the fame that comes with doing so. Until one day, Kiyomoto, the truant student, also starts submitting strips to the, the class newspaper of an art level far above and beyond what Fujino could ever dream to accomplish. Now shown up by someone who doesn't ever show up, Fujino resolves to become a better artist, beginning the two's intertwining journey through manga and life. This is this is a very highly rated one shot, which is part of the reason why I picked it. Like, obviously, obviously, so he came out earlier this year, so there's reasons he bites. I want to, I want to also tack onto this the same caveat we put on Mike's, as mentioned, it's done by the Chainsaw Man <laughs> yeah. author. Which, don't get me wrong, but we'll get to my thoughts on. The one shot itself. It is drawn point. by the Chainsaw Man author, but this was getting mainstream media attention. But the, which, yeah, uh, but my point, my point is the rest that definitely won't. does help. It helps, but the fact that it's a really good story also helps. <laughs> like you don't usually get one shots this quality. It, it it is trying to tell a story which could actually happen. Like this, this feels quite real. On I mean, outside of the time, uh, I, I, stuff. I, was about, I was about to say outside the time travel bullshit. Yes, <laughs> I d- sure. I I don't think it's time travel, but sure. multiverse is yeah. Sure, yeah. The, the, there is time travel involved, Mike. Um, is there? Yes. I I, I, mean, I suppose we'll, we'll get, get to it at to the that, end, but I, I saw it more of a what if scenario. But sure. But yeah, essentially, the story follows these two crazy kids who just. Love doing manga, but like different aspects of it, and they both got their own skills, and they're determined to develop these skills, even though people are telling them it's a waste of time and such. And they develop a friendship and a partnership over the years, and they have their agreements and their falling outs. It's essentially telling a story of how they met and the work they go on to do, and the passion that they have for it, and the hours upon hours of practice they put in. Etc. 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 So it feels like I, I reckon that there is some uh, manga arts out there today who can really, really relate to this story because it feels very real. Not even necessarily manga arts. I would just say artists. Artists, yeah, artists in general. And bear in mind also that the two characters' names are spun off of the mangaka's name. So, oh, okay. I don't so... think this is like semi-autobiographical, but I can believe there's elements of their life in this story. Yeah, like it, it wouldn't make sense if this was autobiographical to some extent. Because, yeah, this, this really does feel like this could absolutely happen. In terms of like how they broke into the industry, I have no idea if that's how it's done, but sure, it feels real enough. 
uh, yeah, you draw one shots, you submit them, and people eventually go, yeah, we want to publish it. Write us a serial. Uh, I would write Rice Krispies. Plus, <laughs> <laughs> the there's a lot of like the relatable stuff. Like, so at first she's drawing the art for you know, as I said, it's drawing the art more to get you know win the approval of her classmates because ha ha ha, it's all essentially stick drawings. Yeah, but it's the funny. Ha-ha. It was all in the nicest way, pretty shit. Yes. Yeah, but it's it's the funny ha ha. So yeah, yeah, it was it was kind of meant to be like there i i know there is a kind yeah. of style where it's yeah. very rushed and kind of intentionally crap and that's kind of what they were going for but they are using that as a cover for the fact that they don't think their art is good enough kind of thing so that's why they didn't really practice it before they just did what they could well because this is the thing as well isn't it until until they they meet with this yeah until Kyomoto starts drawing everyone's yeah. just like oh my god your art's amazing you should be a mangaka and blah 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 and like really praising it saying it's the best thing ever kind of thing mm-hmm. and then the whole penny drops when Kyomoto does their professional quality backgrounds i was gonna say it's it's almost the opposite yeah it's and that's the other thing with Kyomoto's art it is all backgrounds just very highly drawn well-drawn backgrounds like you could believe essentially they've got photos and they're essentially just not tracing necessarily but essentially drawing that in yeah. a manga film so there's no dialogue there's no people it's just it's just really good art. Like, here's a school with nobody in it, but it's very, very well done. Yeah, or like a, a panoramic shot of a city or whatever, yeah. Yeah. Well, then the point is when everyone's reading them, they're both, like, both man- four commas are side by side. And then it's like, man, you, your art's just kind of average. Yeah, and that, that's really what encourages them to... I was going to say, it lights a fire under her in many Yeah, ways. she's basically like, oh, well... They're off school all the time, so they've just got time to practice drawing non-stop. So clearly that's what I need to do. And to be fair, you then do get to see the classic, like, how do I improve my art tips? It's like, oh, don't forget, like, composition. Like, get one of those body model poser things. Uh, just fucking draw. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. I actually have multiple artist friends, and they pretty much say, do you want to learn how to draw? Yeah. Get started. Go do it. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. I also have one particular friend who has one of those anatomy body model things that says, they're shit, they're useless, don't buy them. <laughs> <laughs> they're not helpful. <laughs> so, yeah, just just draw. And that's essentially what you see through many, many panels of this thing. You just watch them. You have many panels where you are looking at the character's back hey, yep. as time passes. And it's very good at showing that passage of time. in those. It really is, yeah. I also like how the whole thing is structured uh, in like two columns almost. Because like it's one long, it, it's meant to be like one long strip and I was over multiple pages. But it, it's very much structured in two sides of a page as if it's coming from two people's point of view. The one thing I would say is I personally disagree on the passage of time aspect just because outside of the big jump, if they didn't say, like, oh, we're in sixth grade now, implying two years has passed, I don't think I'd have been able to tell you how much time had passed. Like, you could, you get the impression time is passing, but... I mean, it's pretty obvious with the calendar changing and the scene, background scenery of, like, what the well is like changing. It's pretty obvious that it's long-term. <laughs> to me, the passage of time isn't so much denoted in literal terms. It's denoted in, like, what's out of their window when they're drawing, the actual room itself, the they're changing length of hair and 
clothing style over the years. But their hair isn't changing length is the thing. My point is it it really does to me, I do absolutely feel the like years have passed here without them expressly saying it. But this thing I I didn't get that. For me, I so that's just you in this case, buddy. <laughs> like literally, I'm looking at these four panels effectively. Mm-hmm. You can I mean I looked at them multiple times because I've read this before the show and I would disagree with what you're saying. So only on a couple of panels do you actually see a month on the calendar. And only in one of them do you see any noticeable difference in the background where the snow specifically but character like as mike said the background you get more books and things in the room and i'm not disputing that it's not conveying a passage of time it's just to me it's very unclear as to what degree that passage of time is i i, I don't really feel like it's super relevant uh, as to like how, exactly how long it is it just feels like years have passed and that's all you really need to know like this story is spans over years and i feel like that's the only real important part of it it's just this takes place over a long period of time like a lot of time is invested into these guys skills and their relationship and what tragically happens later and it, it allows you to really feel connected in a way like you've gone on that journey over these years as well and not everyone who does a time lapse is capable of eliciting that kind of emotion. I God knows how many series we've said that on this very show. Yeah. Oh fucking. Uh, there's one which was like, was it Black Summoner maybe, where it's like they're in prison out in one point, and then they're like a year past, they're released from prison. It's like, why the fuck did that happen? <laughs> it's like that uh, doesn't feel necessary. I do not remember that in anything. It was in one of them. It was like, you've done something illegal. You're going to prison. Like a page later. Oh, it's been a year uh, later. You're out of prison. Uh, our last crusade. That was that, maybe. Uh, <laughs> that's like right at the start of the series. Yeah, isn't yeah, it? yeah. it's literally no, at the beginning. Yes. Yeah. yes. yes. <laughs> There's like no setup whatsoever. No, don't worry, Phil. That took me a minute. <laughs> I was like, uh. <laughs> I just don't remember that series at all. How could you? It was a masterpiece. <laughs> apart, apart from... The massive titties. <laughs> there were some tiggle biddies in that one. Just oh. because, to be fair, it's not even her boobs. I remember it's the bra because they had that close up when there was a bath scene or something. She's like, "Here's a bra just taking up like the full double page spread or whatever." It's like, but why? Because it was a transition, Phil. <laughs> the transition, and to remind you, she's got big old titties. So that's why Phil didn't like this one. There wasn't enough Tiggle Biddies. Because <laughs> that's clearly all he remembers. Oh, I'm just saying, wouldn't hurt. <laughs> wouldn't it? I mean, <laughs> would it? <laughs> would it, Mike? I mean, hey, you get the, both lead characters in this are girls, and there, there ain't no fan service in this. There is actually no fan service in this. There isn't. The, the one thing I will say is I remember when I was rereading this before, we started recording. I forget at what point it is, but basically, some someone's saying something. They're talking about Kyomoto, and it's like, oh, why do I have to talk to her? And I was like, wait, she's a girl. Oh my god, you sexist pig! No, that, that's not me being sexist. That's just me being like, in the nicest way. I why isn't she more feminine? Uh. No, I'm not saying she needs to be more feminine. It was more just. I was like, oh, I could have sworn. I never got that they were male. 
or no, that's else. that's fair. It's just me making an assumption because Kiyomoto is definitely yeah more of a gender neutral design. So bit bit androgynous in design, but so I've, I've no problem with it. It's just I was like, how how did I miss that on first reading? And I appreciate that's more just down to me because I will say I and I know there's only two characters, so it's not a massive issue, but. I had a little problem distinguishing between the two of them at times. I honestly did boil it down to that's the background one and that's the character one. <laughs> For me, it was kind of like one of them's got a little bit longer, slightly messier looking hair, but they've both got kind of the same length hair. I feel that there, it's, there are definitely some times where it's kind of deliberately done where the two are very... Interchangeable is the wrong word, but I think there's def- one of the time lapses where they're both just drawing away because now yeah. uh, Kiyomoto's in Fujino's room out of nowhere, which is one of the few out of nowhere things in this. And I'm pretty sure they're swapping positions, but they're so similar and it's time lapsing, so it's hard to say. Yeah, so like that Kiyomoto, when Kiyomoto's just like in her room, is just like uh, in um, Fujino's room, just sort of out of nowhere, I was like, uh, are Fujino's parents just like not there? Are they just chill with having some random kid in there? Yeah, that is definitely one of the day? one of the few kind of like wait what moments because it does. They've just they've just barely started getting to know each other, as it were. Now suddenly they they're living together, sort of. Not really. Well, no, because they can't be because they're in middle school. They're, yeah, they're underage. So. so they're like 13, 14, depending on where in middle school this is happening. Well, they jump up to sixth grade, so fifteen or well, sixth 16. grade is just before. It's before you graduate middle to high. I'm assuming, considering it's the graduation. Well, it has to be surely because she drops off the graduation certificate for her. I thought that was the elementary graduation. No, pretty sure that's the middle because they're sixth grade. Sure, but I don't know how old sixth grade is. Sure, but I'm assuming elementary is one through three. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I, but yeah, in my head, then the way they're drawn comes across middle school because bear in mind high school would only be three years yeah i assume that's 15 to 18 yes so i assume they were turning when she drops off that graduation certificate about i'm gonna say 12 because at one point it's like oh you've been published and you're only 13 that that uh initial manga they first do it has fujino's name and then 13 in brackets which is how old she is no fair enough Alrighty then. I'm glad we got to the bottom of this. <laughs> Very important, Mike. I, I mean, it is a bit when we're discussing about having a random kid in your daughter's room all day. This is why whenever we talk about these things, I say they are anime age. <laughs> it's like teenage-ish. <laughs> I mean, 13 is teenager. Yeah, Just. it is. Just <laughs> anime <yes>. age. <laughs> but the point is, obviously... Kiyomoto's just lounging around in Fujino's bedroom all day while Fujino's going to class. And it's just like, yeah, that's fine. I, I have, I have, yeah, I've, I mean, I have encountered this in life. Yeah. I, I mean, okay, I suppose. To be fair, we never learn about Kiyomoto's circumstances in this story. Either. We don't. We never see the parents. <laughs> we never see Kiyomoto's parents. You see yeah. Fujino's. Yeah, yeah. Do you? Well, yeah, they watch TV together at one point. Uh, no. okay. You know they exist at least. I'll, I'll take your word for it. It was. It's during the arc where Fujino essentially, like, having now drawn for a couple of years, has people going like, 
You want those creepy like, attackers? You want to just like stop drawing? Like, I know we see a sister. Yes, you do. At one point, he's like, "Come, come, join my karate class," because that that's relevant later. But it's basically join the bit where she finally goes, "Fuck it, I can't beat Kiyomoto ever. I give up," and then starts hanging out with her friends and family again. Oh right, yeah, she gives up for like two years before they graduate elementary school. Then she has to go off, drop off the graduation certificate where she actually meets Kyomoto. Yes. And then Kyomoto's like, oh, why did you stop drawing? I'm your biggest fan. Like, I'm, yeah. Your artwork was getting so much better. Straight up fangirls over her. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I really love these, which uh, which you uh, drew during which the Which you drew like two or three years ago. <laughs> it's like, what? It's like, woof. That is, that is some fangirling right there. <laughs> And then she's like, oh, yeah, stop drawing because I'm like, working towards a contest award. Yeah, totes. Totally. I mean, it fits in with her character because she did it for the praise. So now that she's getting praised again, she's like, yeah, I'd yeah, sure. I could do this. Yeah, I'm doing that. And then magically, that's the game. This is where the time skip happens. Not time skip, but this is where um, Kimo then starts living in her room, essentially. So presumably, because you never see it at some point, one of them asks the other to help, but yeah. Well, presumably Fujino asked Kyomoto because... Please do the background art. Yeah, <laughs> yeah basically. <laughs> Fujino would be... Fujino is listed as the author on all the works, even though it's attributed to both of them. Like, I, th- I think you sort of see like that contest result page in... Yeah, it references that they're a duo. It references they're a duo, but then it only lists Fujino as the author, which is a bit weird, but sure. I mean, again, we don't know anything about Kiyomoto's circumstances. So. Also, they're a shut-in, so, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I assume it's just like the saying of Kiyomoto's like an assistant, effectively. Because background work, I think, is generally left to assistants. Yeah, generally. And I mean, that's the attitude when we skip ahead. And, well, not skip it, when we, a bit later on the story, when we see them, essentially, and they're being... Uh, Fujino's about to be serialized with uh, the very creative name Shark Kick. Yes. And that's when Kiyomo basically reveals their ambitions. Like, oh, it's fine. I can get assistance to do your job anyway. You don't matter. To where they have their tragic falling out. See, this, this, uh, I don't know if it's really that much of a falling out. I never got the impression it was a big falling out as such. For me, it was more just like a, oh, well, we'll just go our separate ways for a few years i don't know it felt malicious to me i i never got that impression myself it doesn't feel malicious to me but it does fujino does seem to come across like she's been betrayed yeah i uh, yeah a little bit but again to me it's just like all right fine go do it then you know i as she said i like, can make it without you I, I can make it without you i can get assistance to do your job kind of thing so go Go do your art degree, and then you know you can come back to me in four years or whatever. That see to me, it read more like she felt personally betrayed by the fact that um, her friend wanted to. It's it felt like instead of going off, she'd go off to college instead of wanting to be serialized and see her dreams become a reality. Like it was if her like personal personal educational goals were. I don't know, sabotaging her professional ones. And it felt very, very selfish in that regard. 
and because of the selfish feeling, that's why I took it as more of a malicious breakup situation. Like one wanted to do something, the other one didn't, and w the other took it really, really badly. And then the fact that they don't speak for like years after that, and then when they finally do get they together, just, they it's... don't speak again in that yeah. timeline. Yeah, so the fact that yeah, the fact that they don't speak again after that. Yeah, just... the, this thing like I no, I understand they fell out apparently, but it's just weird cause to me that argument didn't feel like a falling out. They're not screaming and shouting in each other's faces or anything like that. No. No, but it's also just kind of a bit. I don't know. If I never talk to you again, Phil, then we've had we've had a falling out. I get that, <laughs> Mike. I'm not disputing that aspect. It shows the falling out. Fine. But the problem is, it doesn't. To me, it didn't convey a good job of the falling out part as such. I that, that's fair that you didn't get that, but uh, like, I did. Say, so. For me, it just felt more like a. All right, fine. Go off to university then. You know, yeah, she felt a bit betrayed. It. It didn't come across to me as something she decided to just. Again, apart from the fact we're then shown this fact. Mm -hmm. It didn't seem like an argument where they were going to just, like, that's it, friendship over. Yeah. Like, it wasn't a conscious uncoupling. It was just a, it was a drifting apart accelerated by this conversation, is what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. It's, I don't know. I did. I felt like it was more of an active falling out than Phil did, is pretty much. Like, that's what I got out of it. But it is a. Uh... Definitely at that point, then, the story takes a turn and accelerates, as it were, because we flash forward to her having successfully serialized Shark Kick and owning 100 volumes of Volume 11 for some reason. I didn't get that one. Don't, don't know why Volume 11... No, I don't know why, because this is before the event happens, so it's, like, weird. But, uh, yeah, we, uh, we learned that the college that Kiyamoto went to, um, a crazy person with an axe goes on a rampage and kills them. Mm-hmm. Yes, kill, kills a few people, but in particular, Kiyomoto. Uh, Kiyomoto. Yeah. The only one we care about, yes. Yeah. Yes. So, Fujino attends the funeral, and uh, it goes basically to the house to kind of, I don't know, say their goodbyes or some such, and draws a final little funny four-coma strip like her old childhood self, um, making a joke about uh, Kiyomoto, like, don't come out, Kiyomoto. You'll win the shut-in Olympics. No, no. That's the one she drew when they first met. Yeah, that that's the one that got slid under the door. And that's, that's the point. She's finding that when she goes there and it's like, oh, it's my fault because I put that under the door. She yeah. came out, became my assistant, went off to college kind of thing. Whereas if she... Which I, I, I get that that's guilt playing a role, but... That is some butterfly effect shit that you are yeah, laying yes, on yourself. <laughs> the, the point is she's saying, oh, if I didn't draw this, slip it under the door and get it to come out, she'd have stayed in a room, she never would have gone to college, she'd still be alive kind of thing. Like the, the game theory of the one dispute that Dr. Wily and Dr. Light had in Mega Man way back when they were in college is the reason why Wily wiped out all of humanity in a thousand years from now. <laughs> what? <laughs> Some just horrendous butterfly logic. It's one of those things where, like, when when you are racked with grief, you're just like, could I have done something? And it's like, oh my god, if I just 
not drawn this corner out of the room, she'd still be alive. Ah, oh, I'm the worst. How could I kill her? It's guilt. Okay, yeah, I, I get that guilt is not uh, logical in that regard. I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not putting that on uh, grief-stricken people. But yeah, if you want uh, not logical, then at that point, up until our point, entirely normal exists within the realms of reality story. She rips the panel off, and the don't come out panel slips off into. I'm going to call it an alternate timeline. Where, sure. Uh, Probably the easiest way to explain this bit. Yeah. So it slips back to when Kiyomoto was shut in in her room just before, um, well, when Fujino's dropping off a certificate, and it's like, don't come out. So she doesn't, and essentially leads us down through a couple of times to get through a timeline where Fujino didn't get back into art, so continued with karate. Yeah, because they, they never met. Because they never met, so she never got brought back in, yeah. Kiyomoto just chills in a room. And then high jump kicks the the axe wielder before they can kill Kiyomoto. Yes. Well, this thing, you don't even see Fujino going to the karate classes. No, it's literally just you cut to Kiyomoto in art college. Yeah, it's that part of the art story. college, you see this guy with a pickaxe walking in, which at this point we've not seen before, which told of. But this is the events that's happening in the, I'm going to say, main timeline uh, where she would die. But then Fujino comes rocking past after a karate class or something yes just kicks ass saving her yeah well i think the idea is the same events rough events would happen in any timeline yeah and then it's like oh thanks what's can i get your number and it's like oh yeah here you go i'm food and it's like whoa you're food you know the the person that drew our i was gonna say like you're, you're not that person from this art like from our school who drew art and like yeah like i love just stuff dot 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 I'm totally doing a one shot. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah, it it's a weird choice to end it on because well that's not even where it ends. Sure, sure. It's a weird choice to make, but I, I don't mind it at all. I do see them both as kind of a what if kind of scenario. But this this thing's like Kyomoto then goes home, draws up was their own four coma version yeah which then oh no a gust of wind blows it under the door back into the first timeline where she's dead where fujino's still there mourning her death yeah it's it's a bit weird yeah but it gives fujino basically the strength to carry on at that point she she goes into kiyomoto's room and sees kiyomoto's been buying all of shark kick and all of volume 11 no all of volume one and two that, that's it, just the first two volumes, over and over. Oh, okay. Don't know why. Maybe there's something we're missing here, cause I don't know the obsession of buying the same volume. Sometimes, like, five, six, seven times. Yeah, I, I mean, I could, it's the one bit I could get and tell you, like, especially, uh, as I mentioned earlier, she has volume 11 a bajillion times. And I could get it if that was meant to be tied into... Kiyomoto's death, but it's not really. So. I could also understand if it was like volume one or something where you might have a bunch of different editions, special editions for whatever reason. Like special prints, but no. Here's my theory. Apparently 11 is like a really sought after one. So the fact <laughs> that they couldn't get a copy of 11 means that they had to just buy a bunch of ones and stick them together. But the reason they couldn't get any elements is because Fujino kept hoarding them all. Exactly! It's mind games within mind games! You're playing the stock market, son! Oh dear. 
but you then get a very nice little emotional ending where you get to see flashbacks of Fujino and Kiyomoto being together and inspiring each other. And like then, that, yeah, their first collaboration. Yeah, and then Fujino goes back to you know volume twelve of Shark Kick. Well, I mean, you can't keep re-releasing Volume Eleven, Sean. <laughs> Apparently, you can. <laughs> There's a lot of them there. But I, I've got no real problem with the the what if kind of scenario because it gives an insight into the state of mind of um, the Fujino, Fujino, the one who survived. Fujino. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it gives a state of uh, insight to her state of mind because it allows you to think of like, man, what if I didn't? do that that one day am i really responsible for this and then it allows her to think of like think through the entire scenario and then at the end of it go well yeah i guess but then we wouldn't have had all the years we had together kind of thing so i get it and i get that like even and it may not have even worked out even if we i didn't lure her out of her room that day and this is ultimately not my fault and then it she just goes back to doing what she loved like the final panel is literally the same shot you've seen a million times of her sitting at a table drawing. You look at her back, seeing her drawing, yeah. Yeah, and this is what it comes back to. It's like, there's no, like, things happen in life, but there's no reason to give up on your dreams and the things that you enjoy. And especially if they remind you of people you have tragically lost, because, you know, then you need to take comfort in the time you had rather than the time you'll have without them. Mm. So I... I, I I do actually like the the whole wife section, and I like that it ends on a emotionally neutral moment. But because you know where it's a very poignant there. ending, and I must admit, it like tears me up every time. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't necessarily mind the what if thing. I just I think it adds more to the story than if it wasn't there. Sure, I'm not disputing that. It's just the way it's done with the time traveling gap under the door seems a bit weird in some ways. No, I, I didn't mind it. The first time I read it, before this podcast, when I actually read it myself, it did throw me a little bit. And I think it's the reason why, if you look on my mouth, I haven't given this a perfect 10. But um, uh, yeah, I think the more I've read it, the more I've been like, yeah, no, that's that's alright. It could have been slightly better explained, but it works. This, this thing, I, don't, I am not offended by it. <laughs> I'm not going to be like, no, worst manga ever. Hmm. You can't time skip in real life, get out. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> going to be like, time travel doesn't exist. <laughs> it's just, it does just sort of come out of nowhere and seem to, it, uh, it just feels a bit weird. Yeah, there's no implication up until that point. There's no implication yeah. up until that point that this story, story will take any kind of... I don't even know if I'd say sci-fi, yeah, but, you know, any kind of supernatural turn and then this happens. And this thing, as we say, it's it's time travel, it's jumping multiverse, I think, yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't don't know, as I say, I don't mind the what-if section in general. Just the way they introduced it, you thought it was weird. Yeah, it's, I don't even necessarily mind the way they introduced it. I think if they left that introduction as it was, and then that was sort of it, it wouldn't be too bad. But then because you've then got that jump back again, that seems weird to me. No, I get that. That was definitely my fault the first time I read it. So like, I think you can do it the first time because it's a good way to kind of do that jump to this what-if scenario. That's a pretty great way of doing it. It's like, 
oh, what if she didn't come out of her room that day? And it's like, yeah, then you get all this. You see, actually, still goes to university, still have that attack. But oh, actually, Fujino comes, saves the day. Hurrah, great timeline. But then Fujino draws a thing which goes through the door and jumps back to the... That's where it starts getting a bit fucky for me. That's fair. I would say that is... Like, if I was to ever critique one element of this, it is that the whole multi multiverse bit is kind of disorientating in some ways. So It's, it's not so much disorientating. I guess it is easy enough to tell where you are. Oh, yeah. No, it's not like I'm like, am I in Universe A or Universe <laughs> 25? No, you know that, but the transitions between the two are a bit... Uh... Transitions feel a bit ham-fisted. See, I thought they were going to do... I'm glad they didn't, for the record, but I thought they were going to oh, do Mike's like gonna, a... Mike was expecting the sad ending where everyone dies. <laughs> I mean, I was, yeah. <laughs> but more than that, I was thinking what was going to happen is you then, then split off into multiple timelines. You'd essentially have the video game, good ending, bad ending, X dies, Y dies ending. I thought we were going to get like five different it's endings. It's a one-shot, Mike. He's not writing an essay on this universe. I was just saying, I thought that's where I was going to go. Um, I was expecting what to happen was just sort of like they meet after that attack. Fujino's like, oh, I'm, you know, working again, become my assistant. And then it was going to be she becomes her assistant and they start working on Shark Kick and the end. Happy days. Haha. That would have been a kind of shitty ending because it would have started with them essentially being an asshole at the beginning of it. Like way back when, she'd be like, ah, stay in your room, fucker. And then years later, we're friends. <laughs> it's like, wow. But the point, the point is, it would have been like, oh no, they were destined to work together, kind of thing. And, blah, blah. and sure. I mean, the implication, I suppose, is that is what happens, I guess, in Universe B. Oh, yeah. There is like the element of like ultimately events will play, like, and this is things you see in other shows which have time travel or multiverses that ultimately events will play out in roughly the same manner you can make minor changes but the world will snap back eventually as it were to how it was but yeah then obviously it just goes no this is the uh happy timeline we're not allowed that let's go back to the side one where she's dead uh, yeah because that's reality <laughs> it, it is <laughs> don't, don't get me wrong it's just say just it provides closure on that timeline by doing it that way, rather than just, well, sucks for that, for you know. <laughs> it does, but uh, as I say, just because of the way, the the impetus of getting her to go into the room and get back into drawing as a result of that, with this, as I say, magical time traveling door gap, just that back and forth is a bit weird. Enough. I will say another thing I do like about this I want to praise is that it's good at showing multiple art styles. Like it's very easy when you do an art an artist does a work about art to be like, you've just drawn your art again. But uh stuff like this and Bakuman are very good at like like you have Fujino's art style, which is clearly different from Kiyomoto's art style, which is clearly different from the author Fujimoto. Yes, Fujimoto's art style. <laughs> Because they've all got the same name. <laughs> my, my, the only thing I would comment there is I don't think that's difficult in this particular instance, just because, obviously because Fujimoto is the author you're saying. Yeah, Fujimoto is the author. The, the, the actual author of this manga. Mr. Chainsaw Man, yes. Yes, Mr. Chainsaw Man. Tatsuki Fujimoto, yes. 
Oh, he knows that name. <laughs> I'm looking directly at it. <laughs> but who wrote Dragon Ball, Mike? Akira Toriyama. Did uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> give me a moment. <laughs> but yeah, obviously, um, Fujimoto obviously is drawing a proper manga. You know, draw whatever art style they like at that point. So we're considering that as the base art style. And then the Fujino and the Kyomoto art styles are mainly centered around these four four corners. Yes. You do see a few shark cake panels, and that's about it. Yeah, you do see the odd like panels of these different series that have been publicized, but it's mainly these four commas and Fujino's is very stick person y yes. for the most part. Like nothing intentionally nothing fantastic. And then Kyomoto's is very much super mega high detailed backgrounds. And it's like, in that respect, I don't think it's hard to do different art styles when you're sort of doing very deliberate, different. Are you sure? I want to say I different art styles, but yes, no duh. <laughs> like different themes. And to be fair, if I'm going to praise Fujimoto's art style, my main praise would be like above and beyond that. It's like so much of this as we mentioned is wordless like there are so many panels and pages where nobody says a thing but through facial expressions and through the background art and such it's always clear well i know phil disagrees on some points but it's always clear to know what's going on like you see the passage of time you see people's emotions without words fujimoto is very good at that kind of stuff and it comes through here i agree so yeah. i, I had a say I know, I know you've had some problems with some of the things, but I think on the whole... <laughs> I, I Obviously, not to go reiterate it again and again, but <laughs> say, like, I, sh I didn't have any problem telling a time-lapse was happening. It was more just around the length of the time-lapse, I suppose. Like, it, from my perspective, it was difficult to tell on what scale we were lapsing time. And then the only other thing is to say... And I... I think this is more down to me because it's always something I have a bit of trouble with. But I don't think it helps that they're very similar hairstyle, facial design. I, I feel of a lot of the series we've covered, it's very fair to say face blindness about this one. Like, which feels like a harsh criticism because there is only two characters in it. But if I'm getting face blindness with two characters, am I? Have we witnessed something beautiful here? Am I the one who's the most positive about this? <laughs> I really don't see any faults in this whatsoever. Like, no. Oh, I thought it was me, but maybe not. Maybe Mike is more positive. Honestly, I can't think of anything wrong with this. Like, anything. As I said, the, literally the only critique I have in my entire notes is that, as Phil mentioned, the, some of the, like, the shifting between worlds is a little weird or badly handled. But otherwise, I didn't, I didn't think so. You know, I, I don't think about it on rereads, but I know I've had, had that feeling the first time I read it. I say, like, I don't, as I said, I don't mind it that first time yeah. when you're slipping into the what. Oh, if. no, I meant the first time I read it overall rather than the first. No, I, I, I know. Yeah. I'm, I'm saying, but I'm saying from my perspective, I don't mind that first time where you slip into this what if, because that's a very staple sort of storytelling technique where you sort of slip into that alternate universe by connecting them in some way, such as a note slipping under a door. It's when it then slips back it starts it starts to become more like oh my god time travel is happening and it's sci-fi <laughs> and it's ah 
But either way, that's literally the only element I could ever draw. <laughs> Me personally, draw any negative. Oh. I'd say for, like, uh, I'm complaining about it. That that is very much a nitpick. As as with most of my complaints on this, like say passage of time, like I'm, I'm not going to be like, no, worst fucking manga ever. <laughs> you read, better not be. I, I, I would read redo of a healer over this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a strong statement right there. It'll be even stronger when I cut out the stuff around it, so he just says that as his final thought. <laughs> Episode start. I would rather read read of a healer. Episode end. <laughs> oh, now that's a strong statement right there. <laughs> oh, dear. But yeah, is is there anything else anyone wants to bring up on look back? Honestly, I, I don't think this thing misses a beat at all. I actually think this is one of the better manga I've ever read, so I've I've got nothing but praise for it. <laughs> Which is weird for me, I will point out. I'm usually very critical, even on the nitpicky stuff, but I got nothing. I loved it. I do wonder if could perhaps cut it down a bit. I don't think it's overly necessary, but there was a lot of this time-lapse sort of stuff, like pages and pages of it, to the extent where maybe it doesn't need to be quite that much. I don't know. I'm no editor. I'd have to see it side by side to be like, yes, I prefer that version over this version. But oh, I think we've well established on this show that we don't know what we're doing. Uh, excuse me, we are three uh, three cis white Thris. guys. Oh, we're... Thris. <laughs> we, we, are... Are, we are three cis white guys. We, we mm-hmm. solve all the problems we've established. Yeah, we solve all the problems that we are completely unqualified to solve. <laughs> oh, so you're saying we're qualified to be manga editors, Mike? Oh, great. <laughs> I was going to say, well, in that case, speaking of problems, we're unqualified to solve then. <laughs> so now that we've read all three, I guess, like, let's let's move on to some, like, overall thoughts. Like, what, which one do people like the most? Could we see any having legs beyond what we've read here? Would we want any to have legs beyond what we've run here? <laughs> it's the final part of the show. <laughs> it's pretty easy for me if those are the criteria. <laughs> Because a look back, it's the best one by far. Yes. What fucking was it called? Ash of Purgatory, worst one by far. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm sorry for making you read that. (laughs) And which is more than Phil will ever say. This is this is is the premise of the show, Mike. I'm supposed (laughs) to make you read shit. Let me put it. Let me put it this way, Mike. Because we would both, we both, um, we're both in agreement. Look back's the best by a mile. But I think we would also both agree that. It's also because it stops there. We wouldn't yes. want more. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's the one that uses the short story format to the best. So that if you consider it from the perspective of wanting it to continue, would you rather, in that in that regard, would you rather see Ash or Invisible Man carry on? I guess Invisible Man, but honestly, I wouldn't want to see either of them go on further. I guess if you you'd have to change Pur- uh, Ash of Purgatory a lot. Like a lot for it to when you want to keep it going. I'm assuming in this situation, it's as though it's gotten a serialization. So the yeah. one shot is still a one shot. It then gets a fresh start with a serialization. Yeah. And, well, in that regard, you'd have to reorganize or rewrite a ton of stuff from Asher Purgatory to the point where it's essentially a completely different piece. I really don't think you need to rewrite as much as you're making out here. I, no. I, well, okay, by comparison to the fuck's called Invisible Man, whatever. I, I think the big thing is with Asher Purgatory, you then have to decide 
what kind of story is it? Yeah. If it's going to be a serialized thing, like is it is it going to be a sort of shonen adventure type thing? Is it going to be a I, I don't know mystery? Is it is it going to be That's drama? Fair. Is it like you bringing that up does make me think that yeah, Ash Purgatory doesn't really. In the context of if it was to carry on, it's hard to tell what genre it would really yeah. sit in. So I think that would be the one that needs the most work. I think there would still be a fair amount of work needed on Invisible Man, but it would just be a simple reorganization of the story beats rather than rewriting the whole damn thing to fit a particular <laughs> point of view or a particular genre. But I suppose, from my perspective, is the, in terms of this question, are we saying which do you think would be best as a serialization or which would you prefer to see serialized i mean i think uh that's my problem with answering that question is because i don't think ash of purgatory would work serialized in its current form i think it would have to be so it would have to be so very different that i couldn't possibly judge which one could be better you're essentially asking me oh you're abstaining got it no, you're essentially asking me to choose between Invisible Man and a manga we haven't read, <laughs> essentially. I, I see what you're saying, sort of as I was saying a moment ago. You don't know what the genre's going to be. You don't yeah. know what that serialization that serialization could look like absolutely anything at this point. Exactly. It could be the best manga ever made. I Honestly, I couldn't get that from that, but maybe it would be. I really wouldn't know. Whereas <laughs> I think a serialization of Invisible Man would actually still look fairly similar. And so, in that regard, I'd guess I'd have to pick that. Although, I don't want Invisible Man serialized. <laughs> I think if you were going to serialize any of them, it probably would be Ash of Purgatory. But I don't want that. <laughs> at all. How fickle. <laughs> uh, yeah. I will say I definitely do not want... Uh, I wouldn't want um, Look Back to be serialized. I think the fact that it ends where it ends is... I don't good. even... Okay, I do know how you would serialize it. I, but yes, I. I'd say the only way you could serialize it without taking away from any of its emotional impact would be you essentially do a similar styled story with completely different characters and completely different um, like ambitions and plots and what have you. Essentially, always always looking at two characters and their interactions over the years. Essentially, I think if you were to do a serious thing, you essentially have the same story but stretched out. Stretched out over how many chapters? Yeah, yeah, I would hate that. Like you do a whole bit on them trying to get serialized. You do a whole bit on how they met and moved in, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Like here, here is the contest arc. Here is the basically the bits they all skipped over because you didn't really need to do them. You do them in a serialized. You flesh them out as yeah chapters and volumes. Yeah, I think that's how you would do it. But I think that would diminish take away from it. Absolutely, yeah. I can only imagine how much I would have hated a look back if we'd only read the first two, uh, first quarter of two, it. Two volumes, which two is, volumes yeah. worth of that. Like, yeah, no, no chance. Especially if it was like stretched out into like fifty volumes. <laughs> like, fucking hell, that would well, kill me. Say two volumes. Where, where, where even would we imagine that would go up to potentially? Yeah, like if we're saying it covers generously like a quarter of the story. That's not even, they're not even out of middle school at that point, I don't think. Well, yeah, I think you could safely say volume one. Volume one ends with the meeting. See, I would have said chapter one ends with them meeting, because I think that's the central plot. You need that established straight away. 
No, I'd say chapter one ends with um, Kiyomoto submits their art, and suddenly it's like, oh shit, this changes my world. Maybe I suppose I suppose if we're having like four chapters a volume or something. Well, like that's again from the perspective of I'm trying to drag this out as long as I can. Yeah. <laughs> that's where chapter one ends. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's just be happy that's not the case. Yeah. And will never be the case. Some stories are absolutely better as like short form one shots, and look back is absolutely controversial opinion. Most are. Oh, ninety percent of the Ooh. manga we read would have been way better if they were just one and done. Disagree, but I suspect you're saying that more just because then they're done. <laughs> yeah, then we can stop. Then it's just like, right, <laughs> done, stop. Redo of a healer would be better if it was zero pages long. <laughs> I I disagree that like yeah, a lot of them would be better as like one and done, but there's definitely. There's always room to cut bits. I was going to say, I, I think with a lot of serialized things, you could easily cut a lot. The, the, that is the big weakness of serialization is that, well, I want this series to be long running because, you know, I want money. You, you, you want money, yes. So, yes, uh, I will I will carry on going. And then, oh, I've hit 1,000 chapters. I am Mr. One Piece. <laughs> and you laugh on your mountain of money. <laughs> and then you cry because you get like two hours sleep every two days. <laughs> But you're rich, so yeah, it, that, that's exactly like me, except for the money. And no, success. no, Mike, because he has two <laughs> hours sleep every two days, and the other forty-six hours he's drawing manga. Yeah, it's pretty much the same as me, except without the manga or the success or the fame or the money <laughs> or the two hours of sleep. Yeah, <laughs> wow, exactly the same as me. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm. <laughs> I'm in a similar boat, yeah. To me, Look Back is by far the way the best one, but I kind of assumed that when I picked it. Uh, I wanted to put something very deliberately not trash in the lineup because I had no idea what Phil and Mike would pick. I didn't think what I was picking was trash. It just turned out it wasn't great. You've thought this a lot of times, Mike, where you've picked something and it's completely different to what you envisioned. I think it's clear I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> like, let me, you've picked several things for this show over the year, of the couple of years we've been running, Mike. And they're all, am I right in thinking they're all because you've Googled? <laughs> no. <laughs> How dare you? Like, have you picked something for the show that you've actually read beforehand? I want to say yes, but that might be a lie. I can't remember everything I've picked. But, Pooper. Uh, let's not go home. into it. How about we don't go <laughs> Why into it? Why the house husband? It's and getting, this one. It's getting to a point where I think you're not listening to me about not going into this. <laughs> Oh dear. Yeah. In terms of serialization, I I I saw the good parts in both Ash and uh, Invisible Man, but I feel Invisible Man works better in the context of a short series where you don't where you can get away with hand waving some of the yeah. big questions about its world. Whereas if you were then going for a long series, you'd get probably maybe too bogged down with the whole like. I mean, there's there's interesting storytelling potential there for sure, but you could also get very bogged down in the like, well. When you punch someone, like yeah, you could be like, "Wait, what? What happens if I punch someone this week or whatever?" And then that's stretched out over a couple of chapters. I feel the story would lose some of its agency by doing it that. Yeah, like it at would. that point, you'd probably have to transition from this specific pair of trio of people to this is a world where this happens. Today we're looking. Well, for the next four chapters, we're looking at these people in this scenario and stuff like that i think you could still do it you could keep it with one character or one or 
the characters turning invisible and the the Mickey type character, the villain type character, as it were. I don't think you could have the Kana character, the the love interest. No, I think because if he gets dragged back immediately into the other world, then yeah. Because the problem is as well, like it's yeah that that starts to make things a bit too hard to write around. I think, but I think if you've got someone's just turned invisible and they're learning about, oh, I'm invisible now, I can run up and pants everyone mm. with no consequence, kind of thing or whatever, or. Oh. In volume two, it goes full Isekai. And, <laughs> right. And right. it turns out there's this whole underground seedy world that no one can see, full of demons and monsters. And only one man can switch between the real world and the demon <laughs> world. And it's this man, and he's brought back to the real world through his one love, Kana. And he levels up, it. and he has video game elements <laughs> for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> Phil, Phil's already reading that Mike, get it right <laughs> Well, I, I could string together any string of <laughs> you, could, you could basically just admit that first part and put whatever you want and then just be like and it has video game elements and he levels up and you'd be I like, could string yep, together guy. any amount of anime tropes and like yeah, yeah, it exists and he's reading it <laughs> yeah, probably <laughs> like oh, I guess there really are no new ideas yeah but I, I, stay. I could also see Asher Purgatory as well as a long-running series because you could. I don't think it takes as much, like, much shifting as Mike's implying to kind of nudge it over towards Shonen or nudge it over towards like a Sinan Isekai-esque adventure <laughs> with like magic and other witches and such. So it, it would take more work than say Invisible Man, but more work than they're willing to put in. <laughs> I feel the ground works. I mean, again, they're a super successful author, so yeah, I don't know. But uh, I feel the groundwork's been laid for an interesting story, especially considering I like the illusion mage gimmick, which I feel has potential, although maybe not, uh, maybe not like long-running series legs. Who knows? I'd say we'll never know because, again, they're successful with Spike's family now, and we'll likely be writing that for years to come. Which moves us to Phil. So, which one? What, what was your favorite, Phil? And would you like to see any of these carried on forever and ever? So, if I was to rank them, mm-hmm. I think it would be Look Back would be first, then Invisible Man, then Ash of Purgatory. No controversial take this week, then. No, no. I like this thing. I liked Invisible Man. I think I was obviously the most favorable of it of the three of us, by the sounds of it shock horror i think in terms of the three things we read i do think look back is the overall better story say despite my and i i do legitimately mean nitpicks like as say i'm not gonna be i'm not like no worst manga ever i know we i'm pretty sure we've referenced before that we overblow like as part of the podcast format, we do overblow some things, and then be at the end, we're like, "Yeah, no, it's a good series." This is just <clears throat> minor issues. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Nah, worst series ever. Wor- worst down. series ever. Would rather read redo, <laughs> which is also the worst series. Ever. <laughs> which is also. I'm, I'm, I can't wait. I can't wait till we find a worse series, and it's like, you know what? I would actually rather read redo of a healer. I mean, well, we'll do. We'll cover that at the end of the year, but <laughs> yes. yeah, I, I yes. want to say that's not doable. But oh, we we read Minamoto. That's a decision. It's, we'll it's have to gonna make happen. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so that that's that's the order I would place 
the stuff we read in. So I think, in general, I think they were all fine slash good one-shots, one-volumes, short series, whatever we want to call it. I think, from my perspective, I think I absolutely agree. Look back, just, no, you leave that as is. What I was saying, there are ways you could make it work serialization. I don't think it's worth it. And I think it would have to be a very short serialization, otherwise it it wouldn't work, I don't think. Invisible Man, it's already a volume. There are ways you could turn it into a proper series, you could drag it out and stuff, but I don't think it needs more. I think it's fine as is. Whereas Ash of Purgatory, I think there's enough there that with a proper editor and a decision around what sort of genre it's going to be, what kind of story it's going to be, you could easily make a serialized manga out of that. I think there's loads of different places you could go with that. And there's loads of room to add more, build the world, whatever. So I think I, w- I would actually be interested to see that get serialized and see what they did with it. And then probably be disappointed. I mean, hey, you read so much, it would just become one more series yeah. fills it, it would, it would. <laughs> but I think I'd be like, man, this isn't what I thought a serialization of this would look like. Ugh. Guess I'll wait till next week's chapter. <laughs> well, there you go. I think that pretty much brings that our comparisons of the trio to a close, unless there's anything else anyone wants to say on any of them. Oh, God, no. Go experience Christmas or holidays, <laughs> whatever you do. Stop listening to us. Wow, okay. So you're going to tell <laughs> to stop listening before we shill your stuff, Mike. God, yes. Don't watch that either. <laughs> oh, God, yes, Mike. <laughs> I was stretching uh, at the time, but yes. <laughs> I was going to say, what, yeah, but, what if, but what if, Mike, what if they've kept listening and they want to spend the Christmas season with you? Where can they do that, buddy? Fucking sad is what that is, but they can <laughs> do that on twitch.tv slash B-E-R-S-E-K-R-E-R. And they can find me at Twitter at the same name. That's Berserkra, B-E-R-S-E-K-R-E-R. And sometimes I do YouTube things as well, but usually just the Twitch thing. Ooh, YouTube things, he says. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> Not really. Not the way I do it. <laughs> well, you can follow me at King, S-L-A-Z-O-K-I-N-G. Uh, who knows what I'll be talking about over the Christmas period? I sure don't. I've probably watched Witcher Season 2 and the Grand Tour special by this point, so maybe I'll have said something about those, because those both come out around this time. I think. Ish. Ish. Grand Tour is out. I can't remember exactly when Witcher 2 comes out, Season 2 comes out, but it's around then. Maybe I'll talk about Bebop as well. Who knows? Because that's out now. And Christmas time is generally my now I get to watch things time of the year. You can follow Phil at Fanaxkian and now... You can find out something that you won't find out on his Twitter timeline. Like I'm gonna, we're gonna dish some dirt here, Phil. What was your anime of the year 2021? Oh my god, how could you spring this on me? Because I'm that evil. Don't uh, tell, don't tell him, Mike. I'll be springing on him. But he has to pick the next series next. Oh my god! Like why'd you <laughs> just like out of nowhere? You oh. can't tell me what to do. Phil, he's going to ask you about the next series. <laughs> oh, thanks. Now I can duck away. <laughs> oh, just even trying to remember what I've fucking watched this year. 
for context, people, I've given him at least a week's notice. Okay, yeah, you told me this last week, but I also forgot about it five minutes after you mentioned it. <laughs> it's your own fault. <laughs> nah. No, nah, no, nah, I'm, I'm with Phil on this one. Nah. I, dare. <laughs> I dare you. Give him a week to prepare. Uh, hard to pick something, to be perfectly honest. Nothing that I, I don't feel like anything's been that I've watched has been that standout. Everything's had its problems. So, I'm just going to say Shaman King. Shit, I got Shaman it King is amazing. Yeah, Slime, Slime Season 2. Don't get me wrong, Slime's great. Because I know that's what you thought it was going to be. But uh, Slime's great and all, but uh, they really padded it out. So, just in terms of the anime, it was like, mm, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I would have said Kami. The one problem is uh, Netflix doesn't translate half the shit. Yeah, like anything on the blackboard. Yeah, which makes it really frustrating to watch at times because you're like, I, you don't get some of the jokes, for example. As they don't give you some of the jokes. Like some stuff is sort of like implicitly translated because it's just what a character is saying at the time. But then, yeah, as Mike says, like if you remember Sean, like in that first chapter where they have that big conversation on the blackboard. Yes. You know, one of the most heartwarming moments of the whole Don't thing. translate any of it. No, why would they? Official subs don't have TL notes. And it's just like, eh. And it's like, it decides to translate some things, but not others. And it's really awkward and janky. Which is shame, because it's visually probably the best, I think. Say so It has near movie quality animation at times. Yeah, OLM have definitely knocked it out of the park with that one. But I think because of the fact that you lose a lot of the story, jokes, whatever, because of the lack of translation notes or whatever, just dampens it a bit. Whereas uh, I just like Shaman King, and I don't care that it's rushed. People are allowed to like things. I am, but Sean... Uh, read, hate, I've so. read Shaman King, and yeah, it's... Um, I, let's be generous and say it's a product of the time for Shonen. But Sean likes Bleach, and we all know how shit Bleach is from what we talk about on this podcast. Oh yeah, we all hate it, clearly. All hate it, yeah. Follow the podcast as a whole at Trash Manga Cast. <laughs> <laughs> Neat segue, bro. Yeah, oh my god, right. Yeah, to be notified the moment a new episode goes live, but of course the only way to do that is to subscribe. And what a Christmas gift you could give us by subscribing to us. Be it on Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher, TuneIn, or hey, crazy idea, on all of them, or at least the ones you're subscribed to or use. That would be amazing. You can also, of course, like, follow, rate, whatever, whatever gimmicks and gizmos your app of choice gives you. So that brings an end to our 2021 episodes, which means, of course, yes, next time we join you, it will be 2022, a year where... Hopefully everything will be completely different for real this time. Not like that fake out at the end of 2020 where they were like, it's going to 2021. That'll be the year where everything's good. And then, well, you've lived this year, you know. So, <laughs> Phil. I what have, a... Oh, my God. I know, right? Don't tell so, me. I thought I was dead. Well, you're alive. And with that life, you can pick another series for us to do for our 2022 debut and our winter anime tie-in. So what will we be covering when we come back in January? Oh, man. Next time we're reading uh, World's End Harem. Just to make Mike happy. 
I'm sure. Yay? I mean, Mike loves hearts and romance. I'm gonna go with... Yay? <laughs> Party, you'll be happy. There was a definite Maybe. question mark on my comment. Yeah. Is that is that uh, that's the joke we're ending on? Got it right. Well, there we go. Uh, so yeah, look forward to that. Hope you've had as good as it can be 2021. Here's hoping for a better 2022 for everyone, and we will see you then. Take care, everybody. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Bye bye.